Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I am your host, Eric Anthony, and I am very, very happy that you joined us for this episode. We are crossing the pond for the first time. Well, we've we've podcasted while me and Daph J have visited Italy. This is true, but for the first time, I have a guest from across the pond, and I'm very, very excited. For the first time, and I hopefully it's not the, the only time, it's Mr. Dave Molyneux from Great Britain. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't realize I was the first <laughs> from across the pond. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So with that in mind, uh, those that are listening, uh, bear with us if, if we have any type of internet connection. You know how these things go. We will make sure that this recording is as smooth as possible. So from here on out, it's just going to be stream of consciousness. Me and Dave are going to be talking comics and all the stuff that we love. It's going to be a, a whole lot of fun. So, Dave, um, this is kind of like a blind date set up for us here. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even buy me flowers. No, I didn't buy you flowers or take you out for dinner. I just brought you home. <laughs> <laughs> so forward. Yeah. But for those who are listening and wondering who, who Dave is, why don't you go ahead and tell us, Dave, how, how okay. we've connected. Um, I think if, if anyone – well, they probably won't know me by my real name, but – Surprise! There it is. Um, it's um, I do the I run the um, Marvel Comics Guide, which for quite some time was the Marvel Crossover Guide, and I um, started in 2012. Um, and it was the, the whole idea was basically to record all the I was a crossover fanatic, and I would just record all the Marvel crossovers in chronological order, and it was just for my reference, really. But it just started to grow. Um, started working on Instagram to promote it. Um, and actually, funny enough, I was I was trying to learn Instagram just to learn it for work purposes. So, but it's grown and grown and grown. There's an awesome following. Um, I'm really lucky to have have the followers I have because it literally just started out as just something I was doing on the side. So, if it was useful to me as a point of reference that I wouldn't lose because it's there on the internet, then great. But um, it's had a really good reception and it's still going. I've just changed the focus a little bit as the years have gone on. Um, to not just crossovers, to um, people crossover became a dirty word. Mm. It was just crossover, crossover, crossover. There were crossovers at the same time as crossovers, just in Marvel alone. Yeah, it was too much. Yeah. Um, so the word crossover, I think, was putting people off. So I just changed it to comics guide, and then included reading orders of, of characters. Um, I tried to look out for what people are actually wanting um there's loads of of sites that give you character reading orders but they, they either don't give you any detail or they just list a load of comics so i thought like the approach i'm going to take is to try and find the stories that are the, the ones that i think anyway they should read which always <laughs> can be up for some debate which is fine i'm well up for that that's cool um yeah, so it's just to, it's to give people a bit of a steer as to what to pick up. You don't have to read everything. Just find what you like, ultimately. And that's the thing. My approach to reading comics in general is just find the stuff you like and and love it. You don't have to like the things people say you like. You don't have to read everything. It's just not possible. Yeah, and I think for, for fans like us, like looking at your shelf in the back, looking at my shelf in the back, it's our goal to one day read everything, but that's our personality a lot of people who want to read comics just say i, I want to read them but why they could just watch the movies it's just easier and a site like yours is very valuable because uh it's immense like the universe of the the comic book medium 
is so huge and exciting and you don't know where to start and you don't know where to end and that's daunting so i i personally have been a lapsed comic book reader through the years and sites like yours now that i i know of uh, know of it and know that it's yours it'll be very helpful to me like i love those type of sites yeah to to see reading orders uh you know recommended uh, chunks because sometimes there's those skippable skippable portions where this didn't really make a difference or it wasn't a strong era so having that sort of input is always helpful for comic book fans like us that's good so what made you start the site um well originally it was it was for works we were supposed to be researching uh, blogging sites and i didn't really know anything about blogging obviously heard of it um but we were all given a so i work in a in a media team basically and i, I was given blogger to have a look at and i thought hang on a minute what can i do i want to do something that i care about so that was when i thought like my, cause my memory is terrible it's really really bad so of course one of the things when you're doing something you're calling yourself a guide is that people will often try and catch you out you are kind of setting yourself up for people to go hang on a minute <laughs> you don't know everything like no one knows everything <laughs> you're supposed you know, to everyone like yeah or they forget bits, or leave things out, or even Tom Tom Brevoort, I think, is one of those people that I think are kind of quoted as as knowing everything. But even he says he doesn't. Like no one does. There's so much to know, and there's stuff you'll forget, and there's stuff that you haven't read because it's just it's colossal. So, and I don't I don't profess to have read everything. That's that's what's difficult about um, recommending recommending stuff, especially when you're putting the reading orders together. I haven't necessarily read all of it i've read a lot mm -hmm. a lot i haven't read everything because yeah. i haven't got time <laughs> yeah. no it, it, it's so true and th they're reprinting all of the things that seemed as though it was from you know that's that's a bygone era that's it's not easily available to read that so i'm just keeping up with what is happening now and when they're reprinting all these beautiful epic collections and omnibus and deluxe this and that it's like well now it's there i gotta read it all well why not like if they're reprinting all of the x-men i gotta read all the x-men now but uh yeah it's daunting it really is and it's depending on for i for me clearly i love books and it's also a space thing so what's worth your money right yeah this is true um, I did actually read an interview with Mark Miller. It was years and years ago, and I think it was it was when because I was buying singles from about 1989 because um, I couldn't find them in this country. You, you only had reprints. So um, 1985, my mum bought me a copy of Secret Wars. That um, was reprints of Secret Wars and Alpha Flight wow. in one series. You couldn't get hold of the the, the American comics. Um, so 1989, I walked into this shop. Uh, we have news agents here. I don't know if that means anything internationally, but that's what we mm -hmm. have. And yeah, there's 20 yeah. Marvel comics there, including um, the one that caught my eye, Amazing Spider-Man 316. So that's My memory sucks. But I remember to this day that cover. I remember the number. I remember everything about that. And it just, I had to have it. And, um, and I was straight back into collecting comics again and, and bought singles up to about 2010. And I had it like 11... No, how many boxes did I have? It was, it was, I had 11 and a half thousand at that point. And I, I kept leaving house and I'm having to drag all these comics around with me. Like, this isn't feasible anymore. And Mark Miller in this interview said that he basically, when people come around his house, he wants the stuff on his shelf mm. that he's proud to love. That's the stuff he really likes. It's not about filling in all the gaps or right. thinking you've got to have Watchmen 
on the shelf. It's about just having the stuff he wants on the shelf. Right. Um, right. And that really resonated with me because it's made me just go, what are you doing? You're, you're literally buying, you're desperately looking for Marvel Comics Presents 143 that you don't even intend reading, but you know you've missed that one. It's just not healthy. So I stopped and I, st- I switched to trades and started doing the same thing again, for <laughs> just filling all the gaps. Got to have the run, got to have all the numbers. Um, and then reassessed again, stopped just buying Marvel, branched out to a lot more indie books. And it's great because like, you start finding all this stuff. And part of that as well, part of the fun of it is the hunt. You know, I don't mean the hunt for the, the missing stuff or the hard to find or the rare stuff. It's something that really, really resonates with you. Um, that's Absolutely. brilliant. I love it. And it's something that, I mean, this country, no one reads comics. None of my friends read comics. Really? I was the one. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, not not everybody, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak out of turn here. Grant Morrison is not from England, but some some of the best writers of all time and, and creators come from England and, and the UK by extension, right? So to, to hear that uh, no one around you, uh, you grew up with people reading it, that's surprising, but maybe not. It's, it's weird. I think it was – well, the thing is I think a lot of those creators worked on 2000 AD. And That's I, true. And this is probably unpatriotic or, or we don't really have patriotism here. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> we don't really care. Um, but it's – I never read 2000 AD. I've never read a copy of 2000 AD. Someone's actually given me one and, and I've left it on my desk as almost like a little proud – I should have this piece of heritage on my desk. It's a really so old issue of it. I have no understanding of what it is or what's in it. But I've never read it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sci-fi never really appealed to me. That's massively broad. It's not necessarily accurate, but when you say like straight sci-fi, which is what it appeared to be, especially with Judge Dredd's chiseled jaw, big gun, shooting criminals, didn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But weirdly, The Punisher appeals to me. Right. That's so interesting. So, yeah. yeah. What What made you fall in love with comics? That's always the. Uh the age-old question. What was it for you that made you just fall in love with this medium, and particularly uh, Marvel Comics, since you said you never were into 2000 AD? It's a really tricky one to pinpoint, in a way, because like where it was, comics here, when I, when I was a kid, you get things like Dennis the Menace, which is completely different to the American version of Dennis the Menace. Um, and it's always the same two-page story where he does something he shouldn't, then he gets caught, then his dad hits him on the bum with a slipper. Mm-hmm. Um, every time. And it, it's not funny once. Like, <laughs> And that was all we had. And But I knew I, there's something about it. I liked the idea of it, and I loved drawing. Um, I don't do it so much anymore, but I did, as a kid, I loved drawing. And it just made sense to me to want to do something like that and tell stories in that way. And I think I like, I, I'm dyslexic, so... Hmm. I struggle with novels. I can't remember who anybody is. I can't remember names. Um, weirdly, I can remember fictional characters' names, but no, even friends I've known for 20, 30 years can't remember their names. But, I mean, it helps when they've got uh, eye beams coming out of their, their face and they're called Cyclops. You can kind of put the two together, but it's just some <laughs> bloke called Graham. I can't, I can't remember your name, mate. I'm really sorry. <laughs> just have a name that has something to do with your powers or what you do. You're the buys drinks <laughs> <Your drink wine. laughs> that's great yeah i just it's, it's i knew i loved the medium i love to draw and i think there was something about um this, this storytelling i really liked and 
you know, it's, I, I tried to read American Psycho once and I had to make notes. And in the end, I'd basically drawn a comic. Like, if this is how this is going, I'll just stick to comics, man. This isn't for me. Um, so there was a little bit of that probably, but like occasionally I was bought comics a couple of times and I just didn't like them. And then, and then I tried the Star Wars ones and they were terrible. Like the <laughs> the oh, original ones. It made it, they were Marvel. They were the, yeah, the Marvel reprints. The, mm. They were the Marvel American ones, but they're reprinting over here. And, um, they were off. They put me off Star Wars in the end. I've never really recovered from that. Really? That's so interesting. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about your uh, Instagram page that I follow, the Winchester Meat Cleaver page, the reviews. <laughs> and and here's what I like about it because I have I, I follow, you know, a thousand people on Instagram, follow back uh, kind of thing. And everyone posts their comic collection, their shelf, but I know when it's your page, which is uh, it's that I think that's important because it, it's the way you present it, the way you you. Uh, I have photos almost similar to how you do it, but your little reviews and that little succinct thing, the star the star ratings that you give it. My favorite is the uh, nostalgia rating versus the real rating. That's a good one because I think it's so true. But also that that as as similar as our tastes are in a lot of things and things that we buy, you also are not afraid to say, I don't like Watchmen. I know you're not supposed to say that, but I don't. And I think that's so refreshing. Not because I, I, I share the same opinion necessarily, but it's important for people to, to, you know, throw darts sometimes at those things that we hold in such high regard. Like, God forbid you say anything about this. That's not, you know, the, the, the warmest review. That's great. I think there's something in, in geek culture as a whole um, that is that just it puts things in amber and I, I struggle with that mm. you know it's, it's great it. yeah. and it will always be great like I mean, you know you look at something like Pulp Fiction and I think like it's, it seems to be polarizing these days in terms of how good people think it is because it's been emulated so much I think it's lost the sheen of what it had when it came out um, mm. it doesn't seem as individual now if you if you only just started watching films like that in 2020 you know, right. and I think for some reason, a lot of comic fans can't seem to break out of that amber, for want of a better metaphor. Um, and even Alan Moore himself has said, if if um, we're still talking about Watchmen being the greatest comic of all time that came out in 1986 and nothing's bettered it, then this medium is in trouble. And I think he's absolutely right. I find Alan Moore a really interesting character. I generally don't like his stuff, and and I mean, I was reading his Swamp Thing as well, and I was in I was in stitches. It was like it was written by uh, quite a lonely fourteen-year-old wannabe poet, and I thought it was meant to be funny, and then I realised it's not, and I just had to stop reading it. <laughs> but you're not meant to say that, you know. Never say anything bad about Watchmen. Never say anything bad about the early Marvel stuff. Like, but then you get people that go, okay, you want to start reading? You're into Spider-Man. You've just seen Homecoming or whatever the second one was um you need to read it from the start yeah no, it you won't don't because <laughs> yeah. that's not going to resonate with a lot of people anymore because it was written in 1960 the style was different the life the life was different then the existence was different then things have moved on yeah. and it's it's great to understand it and go back and look at it almost like a historical piece and if you do go back and look at it and love it amazing brilliant but don't tell someone it's the greatest thing, then give it to them, and then berate them for for not liking it. 
because then you've lost another potential fan. The only way this medium's going to survive is if we're encouraging people to come in and just go, honestly, mate, take your pick. Just find something you like. Because right. you wouldn't, you know, it's the same with, with films. I mean, people ask me all the time, what comic should I read? Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what people ask me the question. So I try and ask them questions and see what they like. And that's often through the Marvel Comics Guide. And sometimes I point them towards stuff that's not Marvel. Because it just seems the better option. Yeah, and that's and that's uh, I think the right way to approach it. If if somebody really really loves uh, Thanos and they love the Marvel movies, I I would be able to recommend them some really great Thanos stories. But I don't know if they'd be able to appreciate Infinity Gauntlet after watching mm-hmm. Infinity War. They they won't. They might. I, it's almost like you have to reverse engineer a comic book fan. You got to give them something modern that will feel like it's uh, widescreen and it's uh, you know lots of action and popcorn and it, it, when I it's it's the uh, I had this formula for Batman when people would say okay I want to read Batman what should I read I I came up with this trilogy in my head that I felt was a great primer to get into the Batman universe to kind of see what everybody's crazy about so I would give them Death in the Family. And then hush, and then uh, under the hood. Cool. Okay, that makes sense. So you have this arc with all of these Batman characters that goes from you know something that feels kind of old and '80s and silly, and then when you see the character kind of mature and you see the Jim Lee art from the Jim Apparel art, you can still understand the character. But oh my goodness, that that kid that died before is that him? Is that the villain in this story? Is that what's happening? And it's not to say Hush is the best Batman story, but as far as a popcorn uh, thing to get into as a greatest hits with great looking art, it's easy, it's palatable. And then Under the Hood, I feel in many ways is a superior story because it really gets into the heart of the relationships now more than Hush might. So if people, and, and a lot of times after that, they, it, it may or may not have worked if people like comics, but it's one of those things where you almost have to reverse engineer them into now. Now you can see if you like old comics, new, whatever you want. I don't know if that makes any sense. That is a really interesting idea. I'd never thought of doing it that way. That's a really interesting idea. I really like it. Yeah. I can see a little bit of that. I, th- I think it, what, it, what it raises for me as well is this, um, I think some people at the moment, I've had so many people say to me, there's so many Marvel films that I'm confused. It's gone on too long. And you think, like, man, you wouldn't be able to deal with the comics. Like, it's <laughs> If you think that's blowing your mind, it's not going to work for you. And I think giving people something and basically saying, and then, then pretty much wanting it to have an ending, and you've got to somehow break it to them, that it, that doesn't exist. It just feels like a commitment. Um, rather than something fun, yeah. <laughs> and it, being a comic fan is a is a commitment. It's true. I think really, um, you do. I mean, like I say, like I said about the hunt, the thrill of the hunt. You know, I check all the time what's coming out. I search certain creators I like and just see what they're doing, even though I've not read anything about them in in years. I just picked up um, the seeds by Anna Sensi, and purely because I've been banging on about her run on Daredevil. Um, on the comics guide, Marvel Comics Guide page, I haven't read any Anna Sensi since then. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I just thought, oh, what's she doing? And she's she's done that series for Dark Horse. Like, right, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah, it's I'm a very interesting universe. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting universe, the comic medium, because uh, a lot of people 
think of it as you know childish and uh, it's not real literature. But I think what you just described with Anna Senti is a, a great example because you follow you, you are introduced to a writer based on your love of a character, and then you yeah. you might uh, that's what happened for me with um, when when I really got back into comics as an adult when I started having my own job when I had my own job and had disposable income still living at home clearly I still have disposable income with all my books but <laughs> um, but it was uh, during the Green Lantern Jeff Johns era and uh, everyone was talking about Green Lantern at the time you would see posters Sinestro Core War and all these things so I, I started I jumped on the bandwagon and then I was also reading action comics at the time because I'm a long, a lifelong Superman, Batman fan. Thus, the name of the podcast. Uh, and and I just started seeing Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. He was just seemed to be writing everything. But I also was enjoying everything he was writing. And then the journey you take following a writer is, is then into an artist or a person who takes over the book. And you now this universe just keeps on building and building endlessly, quite literally, like the universe where I liked. <laughs> For instance, J.M. DeMatteis on Spider-Man, because I love Spider-Man, and I love his Spider-Man uh, work. But now my favorite J.M. DeMatteis stuff is not superhero-related, and I never thought that would be the case. Uh-huh. And that's that's the beauty of the art form, is that you start off with a child childish, quote-unquote, character that dresses up in tights, and then before you know it, you're uh, traveling the cosmos with Moonshadow. Yeah, and your life is could be changed by what you've read, and you didn't know that all of that existed in a comic book. Yeah, it's funny because I was thinking about something very much along those lines the other day. There was a point in time when I'd follow a creator on Instagram, or one point in time it would be seeing their their artwork in in Wizard, or hear about them, what a great writer they were in Wizard, or on a, some uh, like Newsarama or what whatever. Um, and I think, damn it, you know, I wish they'd do something for Marvel. Now I, it's the opposite. <laughs> I find out about these writers or like Chip Zdarsky's doing Daredevil and I'm, I'm not buying any new Marvel stuff. I stopped in 2015. I just, I was, I was done. I was worn out. It was after more than three decades. I couldn't take anymore. Um, and I just thought, now I look at it and go like, oh, he's doing this stuff with Daredevil. I, I, I does some really good creator-owned stuff. And I've, it's completely reversed. So you'd see all these people around doing all this stuff outside Marvel, and, and now I want, that's what I want now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. What what made you stop uh, wanting to read Marvel? Is it just fatigue? Like, uh, I've had enough of yeah. this universe? Basically, it was fatigue. I mean, I stopped, I stopped in, God, I, I did stop for about a year in the 90s and I was I read Age of Apocalypse and I was late teens and I went you know I dropped all the Marvel books apart from the X books finished Age of Apocalypse and went I, I need to focus on drinking and the ladies uh. I, I can't do it all <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so I stopped um, I, I had a crack at uni didn't pan out came back and I missed more than anything not even friends I missed I missed being into Comics. I wondered what the characters were doing. You know, it was a big part of my life. Um, I was. It was odd. I couldn't. I couldn't be without it. So I went down to a comic shop, and I basically had to buy back a year's worth of stuff, and it cost me a fortune. But that's what I ended up doing, and I, I didn't stop since. And then, two thousand and ten, they wrapped up the whole Dark Reign era, which was kind of the end of the New Avengers 
era, the first, the, the decent new Avengers era, um, ending with Siege. And then there was such a, it felt like it had direction for quite a long time. For about five, six years, it felt like the entire universe had a direction. And the reason why the Hulk was off on another planet for Planet Hulk was so that he didn't get involved in the Civil War storyline. And you could see they were thinking this through. The odd mistake here and there, looking at you one more day. Um, But, yeah, let's not go down that road. Um, But, yeah, for the most part, an amazing era. And then 2010 happened, they did the Heroic Age, and they just kind of went back to this stuff's all happening. Let's have a big crossover. Now we'll try and do some more separate, very separate stories again. Let's have a big crossover. Like you're, you're, this is like an accordion. You're just in and out. There's no focus. And then it was crossover, crossover, crossover. Uh, and secret wars. Came, so it was the Hickman era of the Avengers, which I thought was really over. So you're going to have to repeat yourself. That title please. considering it's, it's amazing. That's right. How far back do you want me to go? Uh, just, just the Hickman era of uh, Secret Wars. Ah, uh, right. So yeah. So they, um, when Avengers, Avengers became really big, and I think the responsibility of of Marvel is to try and push their their comics. This is a sales opportunity. They're one of the biggest names. Make Avengers accessible, and then they they put Jonathan Hickman on it, and it was just confusing and messy and. And then they got to Secret Wars, and it just became more confusing and messy. Yeah. It, um, and it, it just wasn't fun. Secret Wars went on for so I was really excited about it. Um, and I kind of thought, oh, they're going to take some characters from different realities and kind of emulate what they did the first time around. Big fan of the original Secret Wars, so let's do it. And then it was just like miniseries and miniseries and miniseries. Yeah, it was just, it was too much. I mean, that, that was the expectation on people to buy all that stuff for, oh, is there? I don't know. It was, it was like, it was like they were trying to pretend they weren't being influenced by the MCU and doing their own thing and rewarding the long term fans by having an Inferno mini, mini series and an Age of Apocalypse mini series. But it was just a mess. It was just hard to follow. And I just thought, I'm not happy. Like, this yeah. isn't making me happy. And that's awful. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I just started looking elsewhere. Yep. I I completely understand. Yeah. That 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 kind of happened to me, uh, right before the new Fifty Two launch. That was one of my uh moments where I jumped off of comics for a little bit because I had enjoyed um the new Krypton sort of story that they were telling that ended up going on for way too long with every single Superman book you needed to buy and whatnot, and it just got stale. And I was hoping it would end. And I was I was buying it because uh, I was married to the book. And I kind of yeah. got fatigued as well at that time during the brand new day of Spider-Man, which were good stories, but they were coming out in such rapid succession that I wasn't enjoying reading. I just felt like I had to keep up and make sure I get them and, and make sure you go to the store and support your shop. And, and, and it was just I had no place to put the books and all of these things. So you get that fatigue. And then they almost give you a jumping off point like, okay, since you're tired here, we're restarting the universe or here's another event that's going to ruin the story of, of the book that you've been enjoying. So uh, screw you and buy the event. And it, it's, it, you're right. It's like, I'm just not having fun anymore. So that kind of also for me influenced me to just buy trades or buy uh, sections of, of eras that I feel like reading. Like right now, I feel like living in the 90s with the X-Men 
and 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 that's going to be my comic book for the next three months and sometimes that's more fun yeah it's more that's the whole idea again though isn't it of just finding what you you like and what appeals to you in that moment and i mean the, the thing is like if i hadn't if i hadn't done that i wouldn't have given multiple image books ago because i couldn't afford it like that was the thing the expectation on your wallet was too much mm-hmm. um so like i tried out uh, idw's transformers and i never thought i'd do that because i i like that set in stone that was great when i was a kid the marvel uk version death's head and all that kind of stuff i i loved it I didn't want something to come along and try and emulate that magic. And it turned out I was so wrong. Right. It's so much better. It was so good, but I would never have been able to afford it, found the time to read it. Um, and I'm so glad I did. And that's the thing, like on, on the comics guide, occasionally I'll mention that I'm not reading the new stuff, partly just to say to people, if you're going to ask me questions about house of X and powers of X, I don't know. I, I read three parts and I, I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Uh, if you're liking it, brilliant but i stepped away i tried and, and didn't inhale it, it wasn't for me um yeah. but they i get people begging me because i come back to it like i don't want to it doesn't make me happy yeah no, i haven't I, I really enjoyed house of x uh, when i read it as a hardcover trade i was able to read the whole story and, and hickman is he's kind of maybe this is um uh, miss a misrepresentation of of the writers. It's not fair to compare them, but I feel like he's kind of the American version of Grant Morrison, in the sense that if you get him, you get him, and he's written your favorite book. Uh-huh. And if you don't, you don't get why he's such a big deal. <laughs> I think it can vary as well because I think that's the thing. I think like in comparison to Grant Morrison, ideas per page he's not far off the mark and and it's like his fantastic four was I, just, I loved it it was like this childish glee as you as you're reading it and just these constant ideas and then you're starting to see how the story's slowing together and it was just so much fun yeah um yeah. and then it was like he was trying to emulate that with avengers but make it more blockbustery and it just didn't work for me so but again with grant morrison Sometimes I absolutely love this stuff, and sometimes it just just think you need to stop taking so many drugs, man. Right, right, and <laughs> and I think too, in my experience, um, I've found that I have to return to a writer in a couple years in life when I might be a little older. When now I'm thinking, or I get their their train of thought, I, I understand what they were doing now back then like when i was reading for instance a uh, batman from grant morrison i enjoyed it and then r.i.p happened and i just was like i'm clearly i'm not smart enough for this book because i'm not exactly sure what's taking place anymore and everyone else is talking about the importance of the color of the tiles and the number of rose petals that fall and i don't read comics in it like that or I didn't then now I sometimes try to pay more attention to the art but yeah for the most part for me it's like you I love reading I love reading novels as well but I like the fact that I can read uh, you know six graphic novels in a week instead of just one prose novel it makes it's just in my head it feels like I've accomplished more and I've been to many different places <laughs> so with 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 uh, you know, art. I'm not going to make a Grant Morrison comic take longer than it it should because I need to see you know how they drew the Joker's grin 
And I felt like that's what was occurring at the time. Now I can revisit it and appreciate who Grant Morrison is a little more and what he is trying to uh, express. All-Star Superman, probably the best Superman story I'll ever read in my life. But uh, sometimes revisiting is what needs to happen. But yeah, the ideas per page, like you said, sometimes just simplify just a little bit and stop taking Mm -hmm. so much drugs. (laughs) I don't think there's any shame either in saying, do you know what, I don't get it. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people don't want to admit they don't understand. Like you see people debating things like Inception. I, I didn't like Inception as a film, so it sounds like I hate everything, doesn't it? I didn't like. <laughs> no, I swear, the stuff I love, I love. But when I, when something like Inception angered me, and um, you could everyone in the audience when the film finished went, "Ooh," which is a really un-British thing to do. Normally, people kind of go, "Yes, well done." Everyone's leaving now. Well, have you got the keys? It's, it's that's just how we kind of do things, I guess. Sometimes, right. um, but everyone just reacted, and I was it angered me because it's like that implication of what that twist meant. I was told when I was seven year old, seven years old, don't end a story that way. So it 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 angered me. Um, and then, like if you say I didn't like it, you get people saying you just don't understand it. I'm like, well, not really. You can still not understand something and like it. Like you can understand something fully and not like it. That's a stupid argument. But it's with Grant Morrison, I think there's a lot of expectation on the reader to n- know his life almost. Cause, have you read um, Invisible? Uh, I haven't, but I, it's funny you mention it. Yesterday, uh, last evening, I watched uh, the Grant Morrison documentary, Talking with Gods, and Ooh. I got a, a bit of a primer of what exactly, if I ever do want to read The Invisibles, what exactly I'll be reading and what to prepare for there is if you do read it and i do recommend it but when i read it the first time no i didn't i didn't really get what was going on and then i reread it but i read it with a guidebook there is a guidebook called oh it's something entropy oh, that's annoying <laughs> of all the times to forget there's an excellent guidebook from a publishing house called maniac who i don't think exists anymore but you could potentially find it out there somewhere um and it page panel per panel breaks it all down and it's incredibly impressive. The fact that I had to kind of read it with a guidebook is possibly telling that it's perhaps a bit too much, but I got a completely different feel from it by doing it that way. And part of reading it with the guidebook, I really liked doing it. I felt like I was rewarded. Yeah. But yeah, I can understand why people would look at it and go, I don't want to read a comic with a guidebook. Why would I want to do that? Oh, fine. You don't have to. Yeah. No, I, and I'm happy I'm not alone in that because sometimes I think to myself, if I have to, you know, have somebody tell me what's going on, then I, you know, I'm not, I'm not intellectual enough to even read this in the first place. Maybe my opinion of it isn't even my own, but, uh, sometimes you, you, you can have somebody hold your hand through something to make you then walk on your own because you've now known what to look for. And I think that's, that's absolutely fine if you have to do that. I'm. I got Doom Patrol on my queue of uh, books to read. I, I started Animal Man in 2020. His Animal Man, and I liked it. And uh, I'm looking forward to going to weird places with Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol was fun. I, I found it a little. I don't want to put you off anyway. I found it a little bit samey, and I paused it for a while. I think it was two years ago when I started. But um, I will pick it up. Animal Man didn't work for me at all. But again, it kind of goes back to that thing where you're reading it and going, I know people love this and I feel like I should be trying a little bit harder. <laughs> but I think as long as you try, if it's not resonating with you, then don't. But I mean, oh, my computer's locked. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yep. 
Oh, sorry. No, no problem. Um, yeah, Grant Morrison's a funny one. And again, when you, when you think about how to recommend comics, it's a, it's a, he's a tough one to recommend. That's one of the things I think people have to find and try out for themselves, you know, and, and it probably helps if you've been reading comics for a while before you attempt something like Doom Patrol. Yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, there's, I have a, um, a list of those must read if you're a comic book fan and you you haven't read that I've I'm I'm that guy who's got you know thousands of books but I've never read certain things like uh I just read the first omnibus for Sandman uh, recently um I, I 2020 I read uh, Ex Machina and Why the Last Man in its completion a few years wow. ago I read my first Warren Ellis in Planetary and The Authority but uh, I I haven't read any Garth Ennis uh, in my life. I don't think, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and I've never read Swamp Thing from Alan Moore, and I've never read yeah Preacher or Garth Ennis. So I plan to, but I've got a lot of those holes in my life. I never read Invisibles or Doom Patrol, and as as a comic book uh, collector and a person who podcasts and speaks to creators from time to time you would think like how could you have not read one of those books right <laughs> so i totally get it yeah but again it's, it's the rules it's the rules of of this stuff that yeah, exactly. someone somewhere thinks was written down and we all have to follow it you have to have read preacher i mean preacher is one of my absolute favorite comics of all time I know, again, it's not going to work for everybody. I, oh, I lent it to someone I shouldn't have done, and it looked like she'd cried her way through it. I think it, it ruined her. Um, it's not for everyone. <laughs> it's pretty rough at times. But it's a great series. But that's the thing. I think like sometimes in that kind of geek culture thing, that this idea that you haven't read such and such, how can you not have read that? You're not a fan. Like, what does that even mean? Are we 12? Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> what? right. So, I mean, I haven't, there's plenty of stuff I haven't read. There's a lot of the stuff that you've even listed that I bought, but it's sat there and I haven't read it yet because given the choice between um, reading Ex Machina, which I know is meant to be really, really good, or finishing Transformers, which is incredibly time-consuming, I've opted for Transformers because I'm in the middle of loving it and I don't care if one is meant to be more creatively viable than the other because what does that even mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean... um... I don't know what the the public opinion is on um, the recent Infinity Saga from Starlin that he put out all those uh, OHCs for, and they collected yeah. it in an omnibus. And uh, it's it's probably not the the best work he's ever done, but I loved it, and it's one of my favorite books that I have because I I like Warlock and Thanos and all that Infinity Eternity and reality actuality nonsense that i don't really understand that much but i feel like when i read it it gives me all the answers i'm looking for and that's that's the experience you're supposed to have right like you have to read it at at, like it's funny uh, alan davis is on it yeah yeah alan davis yeah i was i was just gonna say it made me think about alan davis so um veering off topic slightly um so we don't really where we don't really have comic conventions here i think we have two a year and obviously at the moment we have none right. um alan davis is one of the few comic creators i've ever seen in real life wow, and i had rock starish like it was like meeting god i don't know 
like the singer of your favorite band as a teenager. Um, I get it. I was just stood there. It was at London Comic Convention. Alan Davis is sat there sketching Catwoman with those perfect lines that you see in the comics that you think Mark Farmer's just basically smoothed out. Nope, he draws like that. And it was amazing. And I've literally been a fan of his since the late 80s, I guess. And I'm thinking, like, I have to I have to say something to him. I've, I've like, followed this guy's art for 30-something years. And I was leaning over, and I could feel myself almost, like, starting to breathe heavy. <laughs> this worship. And he's just this old guy. <laughs> he's just a guy. Um, and I was just completely starstruck. And I'm just about to open my mouth. And my wife leans over and went, do you find it weird when geeks breathe heavily over you while you're trying to draw? <laughs> That's fantastic. I felt my heart break. <laughs> I couldn't talk to him then. That was it. Wow. That was it. So I just, I had to walk away. That's hilarious. Oh my so goodness. That was, That's that a great story. So, um, Dan Abnett was at another table and I thought, no, this time you're going to play it cool. And I kind of sauntered over to him like Danny Zuko in Greece and just went, all right, Dan, Guardians of the Galaxy was great. Well done. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I totally get oh. it though, and and only uh, comic book fans understand. Like for for me, when people say, "Oh, you know, how, what you're following for your podcast, or what's your end game? Are you trying to make money off of it, or what? Like, what's the point of doing it?" And in my head, I I said I just spoke to, the, you know, the guy who co-created Deadpool. Like, do you understand? You 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 like the movie. I don't want to meet Ryan Reynolds. I want to re- meet the guy who put words in his mouth. That's who I want to meet. <laughs> I want to, you know, like thinking of, of just the fact that I spoke to Jerry Conway for an hour uh, twice. Uh, like for us, for comic book fans, and I have a friend of mine, Adam Chapman, who does a comic shenanigans podcast, very good podcast. And he's interviewed our heroes. Roger Stern, he had Roger Stern on twice. And to me, oh, that's like gosh. finding J.D. Salinger. It's, it's Yeah, and, and you, you get full-on stories, uh all tangents that they go on and, and inside scoops and for us that's everything i don't care about you know tom cruise that much to, to hear like, i want to hear people who write it so yeah i get it I, th- I think the thing as well is uh, and i don't know if you get this um but i'm i'm i work in a creative job i love the creative process yeah um and when you when you're a kid and you find out that people are making these because i don't know what you think initially like it's just they just appear in, into the world like magic but you've suddenly realized these people are working on this and you're going like i could do this and then you get older and you find that some of these people are backbiting each other and and they were like screwing each other over and it's like, oh this has added another level to it and then you find out all these little things and you're going i've got no one to talk to about this because no one else i know reads comics yeah. yeah it's weird but like it's just the history is massive there's so much out there and there's so much to know that you know, it's, it's just fast and you start as you get older and you start to realize that who was a, a bit of a knob <laughs> yeah everyone was trying to avoid working with them and i like all that it's like the gossip bit but um yeah it's it's just weird it's weird it's just, that's the thing about this this vastness of it it's just so many levels i like reading all this stuff about why john Byrne. the other day i was reading about why john Byrne quit virtually every series he's worked on for, for marvel and dc yeah it's and and why like all of the, um, uh, the, the the high watermarks that was hit with the Peter David Incredible Hulk run, 
John Byrne oh. hated it. Like he was just he couldn't wait for that book to to fail or for Peter David to get off of it. It was so interesting to like how how could you be so mad? But yet some of the stuff you've worked on is is the most important books on on my shelf or my childhood memory. It's just so interesting to see. Yeah, it's almost like and I and I don't know I know in England it's popular, but I don't know if you ever followed it. It's almost like wrestling, you know, like WWF or WWE. Yeah. And there's the character and the product and the story. And then you've got the behind the scenes story and all of the things that go into putting out what's going to be on the, the television or, or for the audience. It's very similar in that regard. And there's so much uh, collaboration that's involved and somewhat of editing of story that you get in the final product that adds to the uh, mythology of it all. And that's, yeah. yeah, it's comics is interesting that way. It's true. It's funny. Like there aren't, there don't seem to be that many books about it. I, I found a couple. Um, there was Comic Writers on Comic Writing, which is quite old now, but it was ten interviews with comic writers. Is the title very clearly explains. Um, and it was Garth Ennis in there, and there was Mark Wade, um, Neil Gaiman. I can't remember who else, but pretty big names at the time. Um, Chuck Dixon, who I never really gave a lot of time to, and I, and I did more recently on his GI Joe run, which I absolutely loved. Um, but yeah, and you start to understand that process and you, you start to understand what they go through to, to put these things together. And that's, that's just as fascinating to me sometimes as the actual finished product. What doesn't make the cut? What did editorial say would be a terrible idea? Um, Peter David's quite an interesting one for that because he's one of those people that's quite, he seems to be quite contrary. So whatever he's told he can't do, he wants to do it. Like, why not? It'll make a great story. Let's mm-hmm. just do it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was told at one point, there was something he said, it was in this book, I think, but he was, there was a storyline they, they were talking about, and they said, oh, we'll take the king, no, the kingpin's going to, he said, why don't we make the kingpin by the Daily Bugle? And it went down this road, and they were going, no, you can't do that, because this would happen. You go, yeah, if that happens, then you can do this. And they were going, no, you can't do that, but then this would happen. And they're going, like, no, we want to keep the status quo the same. <laughs> why? Let your characters grow. Yeah. It's it's frustrating, but it's interesting to know like some of the barriers they hit. I'd love to be able to talk to people like Joe Kelly or Fabian the Caesar and 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 find out what their experience was like on it on books like X Men, especially when it became so popular in the nineties. And and X Men was another one of those amber things. When, when the cartoon came out, it felt like everything had to to look like the cartoon for as long as possible. Yeah. So I kind of resented the cartoon for that. That's um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to know how you know to talk to them and find out what their experience was like. Because you just read these little snippets and yeah, all these options you can have for them. You want to know more? I'd, I'd love to be able to do it, but you can do yeah, it. You can do it. If, I, if if I've done it, you can do it. Really, you know what it is? You just gotta uh, get that email, send them an email, or follow them on Facebook, and you'd be surprised that uh, a lot of them just respond from a Facebook messenger. It's quite a thrill i i remember i messaged fabian Nicieza, um i forget the month and then he responds back to me two three months later and says sure i'd, I'd love to come on to the podcast and i couldn't believe it and i said to myself there's no harm in trying because you never know yeah. who might respond and you end up uh sometimes discovering work that changes you because you you are going to be talking to somebody and you might like I knew Fabian Nicieza the way other people did Deadpool and um, X-Men and all those you know hits that that he was a part of but then I I gave something like Deadpool and Cable a chance which 
I didn't really care for, but it was through hearing him on podcasts that made me now want to dig into the work. Like even someone like Jim Starlin, I knew him from, you know, Cosmic Odyssey or uh, his Batman work. But now he's become one of my favorite writers of all time. And I, it might not be a popular choice to have as an all-time pick, but for me, I love him. And you never know how that might happen. So you just give it a shot. Dave, are you still there? Yes, sorry, I'm still oh, here. Oh, sorry. Okay, good. Oh, it's it's uh, the, the 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 tech is wet, fantastic when it's fantastic, but when it's a pain in the ass, <laughs> pain in the ass. Um, so if for you, who who would you have on your um? Well, in in North America, there's the Mount Rushmore. I'm not sure what the monument would be in England, but who would be on that uh, Mount Wait, Rushmore <laughs> for you <laughs> of comic book writers? I don't know. Um, who would live in the Buckingham Palace? Of, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who would um, be royal family. Let, let's say you're just your writers. Who would it be? Peter David, definitely. Um, Peter Tomasi, I've really grown to like. Again, yes. you were talking about Green Lantern earlier, and it's funny because yes. that was one of those periods of time. Like I, I was reading about what was going on, but I didn't read that stuff till the omnibuses came out, and I bought the lot and read them. But um, I preferred his Green Lantern Corps, and I'd never read Green Lantern before, um, and I actually didn't want to read something called Green Lantern Corps because it just sounded silly. <laughs> and I read and loved it. I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah, he he interests me like as, as well as Batman and Robin run that ran alongside Snyder's um, New Fifty Two Batman. I thought it was way better. I think so too. I I, I, I liked uh, the Court of Owls stuff. I liked the the team Snyder and Capullo. Like it was a uh, what's it called a hit making book. You know they were in the the top of the charts. But the the you're right. I, I liked the, the Tomasi run of Batman better. Their relationship is it's just not something you expect from not something I expected anyway from from Batman. Yeah. Bearing in mind I kind of made the jump at that point from Marvel to this open world of all sorts of whatever which has read a few Batman stories and then next thing you know I'm reading this thing with his trying to build a relationship with his murderous son like this is lovely stuff uh, it's just so unexpected the the silent issue it, it's hard to pull off there aren't many of them but that one was quite something I'd have to check back which one which one was that which issue was that um uh... But I when he came it's back, it's issue twenty-one. It's when, uh, oh, it's 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 the one where he lost Damien. Yeah, and, uh, there's it's just silent, and I think all he has at the end is like some sort of a, a letter. I could be remembering it wrong. If anyone's listening, oh, you're getting it wrong. <laughs> but I I do remember there was uh, it, it was heartfelt. It was it you felt it definitely. Yeah, I, I love a series that can do that. That can really make you well up that was i think i'd be interested and now i can't remember his name i'm going to cheat and pull the book out um it's the writer of um robots no is it robots in disguise is the the one with the lost light crew um in transformers i think he's english as well is james roberts or john barber i can't remember which one it is sorry whichever one of you it is um but i loved it i just want to know how much influence did, did he read that stuff as a kid and when did he get into it and oh, there's more than that I want to know but I just loved his style it's like it's got a real meta quality to it and it's kind of it's clever but it's not pretentious mm. 
Um, and that's the thing, I think, like with these, we're talking about these clever writers. I think the idea of interviewing Grant Morrison just feels incredibly intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. It, because it, it's, you feel like these, well, even Sandman, when I was reading Sandman and I was always, you know, you read Sandman and it's, it's like an enlightening. So I'm reading it with that sort of, uh, desire to, not to be enlightened, but you want to. I'm very much in a in a space that I love the concept of ideas being, you know, living things, as it were, or the personification of ideas or words. I, I love that exploration into story. So I'm fully ready for Sandman, and I loved it. I loved it, but there were times where I'm like, hmm, is that the book that they say is the best of all time? And I don't know why. Did you finish it? I finished the omnibus, not the series. I gotta, I gotta still pick up the second uh, volume. I'm just waiting for a, a sale of it, but uh, right. I'm definitely gonna finish it because I, I really do enjoy it. I just feel that again, there's all of that pressure of this yeah. is the greatest thing. If you really want to be an, uh, uh, um, an intellectual comic reader, and with Grant uh, Morrison, you feel that a little bit. Yeah. It's funny as well because that's that whole graphic novel comic debate, and I really don't like the term graphic novel. They're comics, man. Let's not be, let's not blow it into something it isn't. These are comics, and people should be proud to like comics. Not go, yeah, but if it's if it's like creatively viable, it should be a graphic novel. No, shut up. It's just. <laughs> um, but I must admit, Sandman. So I bought. There were eight hardcover volumes. Uh, Ten hardcover volumes that when they first started collecting it in that format and they're all slightly different style which is quite nice because it's got that really old dusty bookshelf feel to them when, when they're all on the on the shelf and I bought them when I was 18 um, and I was missing two books for <laughs> about 20 years um, and I, I, I tried I read the first few and I just couldn't get into it and I thought like, maybe I'm just it's not that time in my life I'll wait till I've got the whole run and I, I cheated and read the kindly ones and loved it which is right close to the end um, and then recently I finally got the last two books and I couldn't even finish book one I just didn't like it that's fair I, I, I but that's what again I, I really enjoy about your page is that you read everything so it's not a matter of you not having uh, uh, taste because a lot of the books that that you uh, put on your top list, like you said, preacher, that is you know clearly you know what it is you like and why you like it, and it's totally cool when you see somebody express with reason why they say this doesn't work for me. Like even when yeah. you were reading East of West, I bought East of West at a comic con here because uh, the proprietor was saying you know my recommend is this, it's my favorite book. I personally personally like Jonathan Hickman. Uh, and he said, "This is, this is my favorite comic book. It's it's a game changer for me." And I said, "You know, I like the art. Uh, I like Hickman. Let me give this a shot." And I'm not opposed to trying uh, anything from Image or any of the other uh, comic book labels, but I I couldn't get it the way I I felt I should have. And as you were writing your reviews for that book, you had these highs and then you had these lows. And I'm like, that's that's fair. That's that's the real way to, to be honest and, and review something that you are still loving, but you can also say this section of it kind of sucks. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like I try and break it down into the kind of the trades because I, I normally read the big meaty collections. Yeah, but if too. you buy in trade format, that's probably the more popular format. 
think for a lot of people um but yeah i think it, it's easier as well to kind of break down where those highs and lows are for some it doesn't work and there have been some i've loved throughout and you get to volume nine and it's the end and you go oh that was awful yeah so at least it kind of lets people know to stay away from something or so there have been some like um royal city um, is it is it Lemire? Is that how you pronounce it, Jeff yeah, Lemire? Jeff Lemire, yeah. A lot of us think Lemire, yeah, Lemire. Lemire. That's one of the, the issues with reading these things and not knowing <laughs> any how you pronounce any of the names. Um, but yeah, but Volume One, I just no. If if I'd only bought that in trades, I wouldn't have carried on. And I got the the hardcover and carried on. But something was kind of saying, stick with it, finish the book. You got the book, just carry on. And by the end, I loved it. Yeah. So you just never know. And I think it's it's nice to kind of see that journey and understand that there is a build-up to these things. You know, it's not everything is, like, amazing throughout. Is it worth sticking with? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but, again, that's down to the individual. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's uh, one of my favorite things about collecting in the uh, – the collected editions, whether they're, you know, deluxe hardcover, omnibus or epic collection style, because you uh, sometimes, especially monthly, right? When when somebody writes a monthly book, if that thing isn't hitting it out the park every week, you can't have a down week or a, a slow po- Everything has to, even when we read reviews for them, when you go on some of these comic book reviews where they do issue by issue what they were ranked and you see like this section where, you know, it went from a, an 8.5 to very mediocre kind of stories and then it ends off really well it's because you got to read the whole thing so when you read it when you stick with the book even in those lulls that were was a graphic novel like for instance you're doing um invincible gradually my that's my favorite comic superhero comic book series i thought it was great but i read it in those deluxe 12 issue uh formats so i was getting a great three trades in one that even if the middle portion was kind of like meh are we i'm, I'm kind of done with this story you end it wanting to read the next one so you're right it's very interesting when you kind of you want to do issue by issue you want to do trade by trade or the whole uh, you know big picture the whole enchilada and it might be a very different type of review each time that's another one of the issues i think as well no no pun intended i think like when, when we're looking at this uh, and the, the way that these stories are told and people are buying them in very different ways, um, whether it's single issues in print, single issues in digital, um, paperback collections of six issues, the hardcover collections of 12 to 18 issues. That experience is always different. And I kind of feel like it's time to choose. You know, I'm, I, obviously single issues don't work in this country. It's a completely different experience in America or Canada, I'm assuming, because you have yeah. comic shops everywhere. Yeah. Um, we just don't. I, I've got to order stuff in. Um, sometimes I've got to import it. So, it, but it's, it kind of feels like it's hard to know, because even when people ask me, what should I read? Mm-hmm. I'm hard to like, I have to say, like, okay, what format do you prefer to read? Is it digital? Is it is it single issue? Is it print? Are you willing to commit to however many dollars it is a month for single issues, but you're paying largely for adverts? Um, what is it you want? What experience? And it's it's quite complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I prefer uh, a decent sized collection mm-hmm. because I feel like I'm getting something bigger, and it does make you stick with the story. Yes. Um, there's plenty of times when there's been like a, a four parter, and the first part hasn't worked for me. But I I'm just gonna keep on going because it's only another twenty minutes. 
to read it. Yeah, <laughs> go, yeah, yeah, that's true. This is going all right. I can see where it's going now. Okay, let's just carry on. Um, but that's one of the areas that it, I think it's time to maybe really reset. And that's another really unpopular opinion. Full of those. I think it's time to reassess where we are, especially with the way that the world has changed. Um, it might be time to kind of think like, okay, rather than water down this market, let's just kind of, let's just focus it and give people a product. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I like the, uh, the one thing I do like happening with DC, because I, I like you, I go through my moments where I no longer following current stuff with either company, but I do like what DC's doing with Black Label and those their album-sized sort of collections that are difficult to put on a shelf, but the product is, is nice, and it's not about the continuity anymore, but the story. And it's refreshing to see people telling original stories with familiar characters and have, you know, there's ground rules and, and certain references that can be used, but there isn't a, a hard and steadfast, does this count or not, which is nice. It's it's quite hard to get that in people's heads. I, I had a little mini rant about that recently, and I can't remember what it was in connection with, but um, Oh, well, I can't. Oh, no, I don't know what it was. It was because I picked up Injustice. Yeah. Because people are really, really raving about Injustice. So I'm, oh, I'm going to give it a go. I don't normally read those kind of what if Elseworlds see things, but I'm going to give it a shot. I haven't yet, but they look really nice on the shelf. Um, <laughs> I will get to them. But um, yeah, I think like the idea that it's self contained and there's a beginning, middle, and end, um, and you don't have to read 50, 60 titles a month. You know, that's if that's going to bring certain people in, then this has a hope of continuing. So I think apparently graphic novels. I've got to use the term I hate. Um, collection collected edition sales went up quite a lot last year, which was really hopeful because it was looking quite shaky there. I thought for a bit. Um, DC letting so many uh, members of staff go, um, whittling down their books to basically just Batman and Superman. Um, it was it was worrying, really, and that's that's the thing. Like, I'm, part of the reason why again doing the Marvel Comics Guide is because I want people to find a way to get into this stuff because I love it, yeah. because I want to keep it going. Um, I just want to keep this medium alive and look at all the stuff we get from it. The stuff that people do like and all those adaptations on TV, but they're not yeah. necessarily making the jump over. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we help people make the jump? And I think like DC and Black Label is a good move because you are giving people the familiar, um, sometimes experimental. Like um, The question was an interesting one. I, I don't completely know if I did like it or not in the end. I'm still figuring that out. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's. I think they're, they're taking the right approach, which is worry less about continuity, worry less about does this count. It counts if you liked it. Exactly. Exactly. And I've I'm guilty of it too. I was just uh writing about it um considering the new 52 because it's one of those panned uh you know marketing things that everyone says they ruined all the legacy and this and that but of course there was a lot of good that came out of it. You got the Batman and Robin and Snyder and Capullo and Animal Man, like numerous good series that came from the new 52. But for a long yeah. time it was this you know, just everyone hated it for what they changed. And had it been, you know, an alternate universe, like perhaps the Ultimates, 
people might have accepted certain things with a, a, a bit of a um, fresher mind. You know, like there's certain things like uh, Superman and Wonder Woman being a couple. Very cool concept. I, I wanted to see that explored. I'm happy that story's been told instead of hating the fact that you've taken away that thing I love. So I, I'm guilty of, of having jumped on and off of books or trading and selling books because this doesn't count anymore. What's the point of having it on my shelf? I just want stuff that counts, real continuity. That's the real version. And you're robbing yourself of great story. Yes, exactly. That's that's the bit that I think I started to struggle with. Like, well, I will get occasionally messaged about things, and I'm trying not to be all English and sarcastic about it. But when people go, <laughs> does this count? Or did this happen? Did this happen? No, it's fiction. Does that answer your question? <laughs> right. Um, it's a weird question. No, it didn't. But if you if it appeals to you, go try it out. Like, don't worry about whether it's part of continuity. There's so much stuff that's gone on that's now no longer part of continuity because it's been kind of edged out. It's not a blatant retcon. Um, but it doesn't really exist anymore. But no one worries about it. You know, Reed yeah. Richards didn't fight in World War II anymore. Is anyone complaining? Yeah. No. Yeah, don't exactly. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, uh, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's like we can create one, there's the universe that where we tend to uh, or that we can choose to um, continue to follow whatever it is they tell us is happening, whatever timeline it is, whoever Spider-Man is or isn't married to. Or I can I can say, you know what, um, Spider-Man is married to Mary Jane. And they say, yeah, but not anymore. That's a race for you. I didn't read after they they erased that that that's Spider-Man to me. And it's completely yeah. legitimate or. You can say Spider-Man's never been married. He's only dated Mary Jane and, and it's, you know, been washed from content. Well, okay, that's that's how you interact with the universe. I don't really enjoy... Uh, I, I grew up a, a huge DC fan. Uh, I got into Marvel heavily in the last 12, uh, 12 years, thanks to the MCU. I really, really started to read Marvel a lot more. And, and I think part of me prefers Marvel over DC now. But I'm not into Bronze Age DC. Don't care for it. DC begins for me after Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's when DC begins for me. So that's what I'm trying to do at the moment now. Of course, where I was so focused on Marvel is go back and read all the stuff that I read about from post-Crisis to now. And I'm on 1998. And that's it's a so big cool. old journey through. And again, this is the dedication thing. I have a spreadsheet worked out, what a nerd, of, of the whole thing in chronological <laughs> order of the stuff I want to read. Um, it was just quite a lot of commitment again, but I, that's what I like about it. Um, but again, I'm not too worried about the fact that the continuity is messy. Very. Like it's really messy. <clears throat> and I had no idea how messy it was, but I don't care because if, you know, it, what was it? Um, zero hour didn't really make a lot of sense to me, No, but oh, well, I'll move on and I'll read another thing and yeah. maybe I'll like that more. I'm just, I've just started Cataclysm. And I, I read the the thinner trades that came that they released back in the day. And I've now they've got the thicker ones with all the issues in. And it's just the first couple of chapters. And I'm absolutely loving it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad I've gone back and found this stuff. And I think that's the thing as well with the Marvel versus DC argument. Like, are you Marvel or DC? I'm, I can, can be both. Like I can eat chocolate and cheese. I'm maybe not at the same time, but yeah, it's, it's more to like two things. And I, I don't really 
pick a side. I don't really see the point. I can I can understand it to a degree because obviously, where I was buying pretty much every Marvel title there for a decade and a half, I think you can't do that and buy everything else unless you are loaded, and I am not. Yeah, yeah, most of us aren't. We just this is where we spend our money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. definitely not because I keep spending it on comic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's you do end up picking a side probably for that reason because you have to convince yourself that, that you're not interested in, in what the other guys are doing, even though you're kind of keeping one eye on it. Yeah, that looks cool. So I did dip into Infinite Crisis, um, which I read the, the core stuff of, and I read 52, and I absolutely loved it. Even though DC seems to be a bit more unforgiving to the casual reader sometimes where they just they refer to stuff or at least in the stuff i've read and you're going i don't get any footnotes can you explain what what yeah but you just plow on if, if you're into it enough you'll plow on yeah if you're and, not, it's not for you and and sometimes we have to um i think that was part of our generation's childhood i'm not sure how old you are but i think we're roughly in the same age bracket um how old are you? I'm I'm 37, going to be I'm 37 in a few weeks. Slightly older. I'm four. I don't know. 44. Okay. Yeah, a, a little older, but we we have a, a memory of the the spinner rack, and picking up one book that you knew part of a story, and it was continued in the next issue that you would never find until you were 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't care. Because, I, 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 for instance, I remember, and I've referred to this before, uh, there was an adventure of Superman uh, issue for, I think it was, f I forget the number now. It was Dan Jurgens uh, drew and wrote it, and it was the first appearance. I didn't know at the time. I just liked it. It was the first appearance of Hank Henshaw. And it was a kind of a, a riff of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Origin. You, I'm sure you know it. And... I love that issue because it was a one-and-done story that had uh, some heart and also a, a call to the other side of the street, the other company on the other side of the street. I said, that was a cool story. Well-drawn. I was you know, still young enough to be glad that I was able to follow the word balloons and know which way to, 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 to follow the pictures. But then when the um, death and return of Superman happened and there was the cyborg Superman and he revealed himself. I said, wait a second. This is the guy that died here? And it's all coming back and it all counts? There's that moment where it's so fulfilling. Even though I had missed all the stories in between and I picked up that issue years later, it was like amazing that that could happen. So I get I get the love of the continuity and I get the, 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 wanting, the desire to make things count. But there was also that time where... You'll find out years from now, and you might not have all the issues, and it doesn't matter. That's not the point. Just read the story and make it up in your head what happened in between. Like that's part of the fun. That's the thing. I think that idea of filling in all the gaps. Like it doesn't matter, even if you've got all the gaps. That might not be all of their life. What do you think you're missing out on? You don't have to buy Wolverine Global Jeopardy number one. <laughs> you feel like you've got to have every moment of you're not having every moment you don't see when he goes to the toilet you don't have every moment of his life don't worry about it right just on the good stuff and and there were so many wolverine books well i can't imagine now being so when did you start when did you start reading regularly was it in the, the, the early 90s uh i 
so I, I had somewhat of a regularity when the um, reign of the Superman was happening because comic books became kind of like trading cards and you can find them a lot more places uh, yeah. everywhere because of the speculation market. So it, it was readily available, but I regularly was following month to month and going week to week to a comic shop in 2006, right after Civil War and... Uh, infinite crisis right around then it was a very good jumping on point for both companies but I was mainly reading um, DC related books and buying you know ultimate spider-man and some classics from from Marvel because I still felt like a noob getting back into comics understanding and appreciating it but you know going to my first convention and you know kind of putting together a little collection of books that uh, I enjoyed that was 2006, yeah, so kind of late. Wow. See, that's, that's the thing. Like, I think like, the idea to me of starting at that time or even now and and feeling like you've got to catch up on all that history, I think that's where it's difficult. And I can see where that might put some people off. But then, I mean, I started in 1989 with those 20 comics. And part of the appeal was was the little footnotes. This happened then. Like, yes. Okay, yes. I'm going to somehow find that. And, and like, especially here there was no shop to walk into. I had to use a mail order thing and have it sent to my house. And you know, the, like you'd, you'd read it and go, Oh, <laughs> that wasn't that good. All that build up. Or sometimes like, Oh, this is great. Or, and then you, then you start to kind of fill in all the gaps in between and you get that kind of collector mentality thing. And the history was part of the appeal. Knowing that you, it was part of something bigger. Yes. was a big part of that appeal. I think like the idea though, now that you've got, especially for Marvel where they haven't restarted at any point. Um, 1961, in theory, 1939 hmm. upwards, all inverted commas happened. It's that must be so daunting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. So and how do you handle that? Myself or in general? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> how did you handle that when you started? Did I, I I just figured, you know what? Um, I I know my comic book generic history enough that I, I I understand how to jump in and just go with it, and I and I learned how to you know track the back of a of a graphic novel or inside of the credits to see what does this collect and which series is. So I I, I kind of had that sort of um, natural ability to figure that out along the way. Um, but I, I, I picked a few things that I was, I was sure I was going to like. So I was always pretty much going to like Superman or Batman and Spider-Man, just even if it was crap, because I just liked the characters. So I'd be happy with it. Um, and then when, um, new 52, just before it launched, I jumped off, took a, a few years off of, uh, collecting and going to the shop. And I have a, a comic book shop right across the street from my house which is not a great thing for an addict to have the dealer live across the street. Yeah. I envy you so much right now. Yeah. And, and it, it, it gets worse because I, I work uh, in construction and I would often be in the city and in the city I could within 20 minutes hit up four different comic book shops and some used bookstores where you can find some really good stuff for for super cheap so it's not easy on the pocket when you've got so many places to go and get your books um, uh -huh. but after what made me really fall 
totally head over heels in love with the medium and uh, cost me a lot of money was podcasts. Discovering people talking about comic books for hours and interviews with creators for hours. I found this treasure trove of, of information that completely changed my life in what I read and and th ideas I had and you know going to conventions and starting a podcast it completely changed everything and after find it started with uh, Kevin Smith Fat Man on Batman he had a bunch of Batman writers that were giving uh, interviews for two part sessions and uh, I looked at the whole universe of of comic books and and what were good stories to read completely differently because of that and now i have thousands of books you know <laughs> a lot of catching up a lot of catching up and catching it, up. and it, and but like you said it's the hunt that, it is the hunt the, the thing as well like it was interesting i thought you, you said you don't really touch the is there anything from the bronze age that you that intrigues you in dc in anything oh marvel i love the bronze age my favorite era of marvel is probably um the, not the bronze age but leading up to that i i'm very intrigued by stuff that happened in in the late 60s and 70s and marvel and my favorite era i think is the 80s marvel yeah. in dc in the <laughs> 80s especially marvel I, I don't mean to be that guy that's, oh, back in that day, back in our time, back when I was born. Yeah. It's more that I'm discovering it. Like, I, I love um, modern comics, don't get me wrong, but I don't think anything tops a decade like Marvel in the 80s. I just, I, I don't think anyone could convince me. No matter what they throw my way, they could say, oh, Image and this and Preacher and uh, Planet. No, no, no. Walt Simonson on Thor. Yeah. Pardon? What is it about, about Marvel in the 80s? Every book, every every, I think it was every character's best run after or or most definitive uh, um, creative period, other than the people who created the characters. So I think the best Thor is Walt Simonson in the in eighty three to eighty seven. I think I I love Jason Aaron's Thor. Um, I think there's been other good runs on it, but that's other than Stan and Jack. Walt Simonson, I think, is the best. Spider-Man, I think the Roger Stern era of Spider-Man is tremendous. That's a good five-year chunk, it feels like. Uh, yeah. Peter David, the Hulk. Be hard-pressed. Like, what Al Ewing is doing right now is phenomenal. No question about it. But it's a lot of it is phenomenal because of what Peter David kind of kind of put in place that no one had done before him. Fantastic yeah. Four, John Byrne. Captain oh. America with um, I'm not sure if you liked uh, Captain America, but he had a, a, a lot of good runs between Demetrius to Grunewald. I'm trying to think of what else. The Avengers, the X Men. It's funny because I recommended the the Grunewald, at least the first chunk of the Grunewald era. Yeah. Before, and it's it's it looked dated then, but I love it. It's it's shamelessly cheesy. I love yeah. that whole thing where they just, there was no internet at that point, And they went, we're going to basically sack Captain America and get this awful guy in. And can you imagine what, what the internet would be like now? It would be like the equivalent of Superior Spider-Man. But like at that point, it was weird then to read those comments when Superior Spider-Man started. And you go, how dare you? He's not Peter Parker. Like, you haven't been reading comics very long. <laughs> right. <laughs> You'll find out. Yeah. Uh, but that was such a it was a bold move and that started quite a lot in the 80s but oh, plus of course daredevil 
uh, Born Again and, yeah, and there you the go. original I didn't even mention that or you know uh, even even a character like Iron Man with uh, Michelini and Leighton and Ramita on the book like it, it's a it's a strong decade line wide uh, yeah that you, you collect these large swaths of a lot of it too what was refreshing is that it was it was a writer and a an artist on the book for a, a good stretch of time even though the X-Men had numerous superstars come through it, a good stretch was Claremont and Byrne and then, you know, Paul Ryan or Ramita Jr. It was a good era, I feel, where, yeah, they're dated and some of the stuff might, uh, you know, be in bad taste now. But but you can't you can't discredit something, you know, based on our information as, oh, that's horrible. It's a good, I think it was a great era of comic books. And DC was doing good stuff too. On the other side, they were being very um, imaginative with you know stuff that became Vertigo and people jumping from company from, from one side to the other. It was a good time, I think. I, I don't know. What about you? What, was, what do you feel is the, uh, your sweet spot, your guilty pleasure of, of comics? <laughs> I kind of, for, for Marvel, um, I do love the Avengers Disassembled 2004-ish, even though December wasn't that great. Um, but you could see the universe was starting to come together mm-hmm. in that they were starting to hone it and have an overreaching plan. And that was 2004 to 2010. And that was great. And that relied so heavily on the history as well. And that was a really good use of the history. Um, and they could, they could just bring out random obscure characters as well that would make you go, what the hell is that guy? And you'd, you'd have to look it up and, oh, it's someone that appeared in a random issue of Master of Kung Fu, right? Okay, I need to just check that out now. And it was great for that. Um, but I, I started with Secret Wars, so that era has the most um, appeal. There's like a, a mystery, mysticism to it because I wasn't reading everything. So Marvel UK's Secret Wars series, when they finished the initial 12 issues and they had random backup stories, like uh, Alpha Flight, they, they ran Alpha Flight. I think they ran a, a Power Pack. I think um, and there was Grant Morrison's Zoids, which is a bit bizarre. Um, <laughs> and then they hit Secret Wars Two, which I do. I I like Secret Wars Two. No one else seems to. Because uh, like my... it's just so yeah, odd. Yeah, some people do like it. There are some folks. It's badly drawn. It's not well written. <laughs> it's just strange. But I think it's the nostalgia thing again. That's that's the thing about that. That was what I read as a kid. But um, Marvel UK didn't just include the, the tie-in issues. They included some other bits as well, like some of the Iron Man run, like the Ironmonger storyline, um, which didn't really have any place in Secret Wars 2. But they're kind of as if someone went, do you know what? People need to read this. We'll stick that in. We'll stick more burn issues in. We'll, you know, when they started adding more stuff, but you knew you were missing out. When you, when you realized anyway, because I don't think I knew initially, that there were gaps. I just thought this is the comic. Great. Um, and then you realize you're missing out on Power Man and Iron Fist and you're missing out on Daredevil. And, and there was this mention of some villain that had been killed off a few, uh, a few years earlier called Thanos. I'm like, I want to know what he is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the other thing with that era as well, which is this, it felt like it was progressing. Yeah. The problem that hit not to constantly bitch about certain areas, it eras, but that kind of heroic age onward thing where they kept trying to align everything to what was happening in the films and undo stuff, to undo characters' story arcs to make it match how they were in the film or repeat something 
So it kind of looked like it was in the film. And you're like, you're not letting these characters progress. The 80s had so much character progression. Um, and Secret Wars, whether you like it or not, that the fallout of Secret Wars had a lasting effect even to this day that we wouldn't have had venom whether you like him or not we wouldn't have had venom she hulk ended up in the fantastic four so she'll always be kind of associated with fantastic four um i could go on but i won't in fact you can look at the blog for that uh, yeah <laughs> no continue there was a lot it, it meant something it felt like it was going somewhere and it felt like things happened and changes were lasting and yeah. when a character died it felt like they were dead and they weren't coming back and I much preferred that. Yeah. That whole now it, it doesn't have that as much, but I do look back on the eighties, even though I didn't really live through it in the same way that a lot of other comic fans would have done as my that's my era. Yeah. Um, even though I only got such a small chunk of it. Yeah, m- me too. I was born eighty four, so by the time I could uh read, it was, you know, nineteen ninety maybe where I could actually read at that level. And uh it's it's more retroactively going back because my visual library is comic books in the 80s the way it's drawn the way it looks the way it moves across the page the way time uh occurs on those panels is very much linked to 80s and 90s comics so i i have it feels somewhat like a, a happy place in a way when i read them but then you see some of the the choices that they were making with stories at that time and you as as purple prosy as Chris Claremont could be at times, and you he's like, oh, this is taking forever to read such something so simple. The the choices that they were making to kind of share ideas that you know our generation now has grown up and and in many ways, I think it, it affected affected our 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 opinions of the world and how we view people and and you know our differences. X Men was uh, Teen Titans. They were silly in a lot of ways, but there was a lot you could take from it. And if you go into these, if you go into a, a comic book from the 80s that is, you know, very well revered and compare it to the most recent comic book that you've read that you thought was fantastic, you're going to, you're, you're going to, I think, be disappointed. So you have to transfer yourself almost like a, like a time capsule and put yourself like, let me be an 80s kid right now and remember this is from this era and you'll appreciate it the way a little bit differently that's the only Much i like think fair watch stranger things exactly and and i and you know speaking of stranger things um uh, you're reading paper girls now which is a perfect like if you like stranger things you're gonna like paper girls sort of thing but it's different enough to not be a a, a facsimile of it yeah I can, there are definite parallels. It's, it's interesting they came out at pretty much the same time. Yeah, very similar time. But, um, you know, they've kind of got their own way of, of their own story, and it's they totally. are you know, quite different. Um, but, again, that's, that can come back to that thing. Of what did you like? What, what, are you, what are you into? What are you watching on TV rather than what Marvel film did you like? If someone says, what, what, what should I read? Okay. Because that's the thing. Like, I don't really like special effects films. Um I never really I think what I did as a as a kid but I don't now and I don't think I have for a long time so my favorite films are stuff like um um A Brother Where Art Thou and um Grand Budapest Hotel and and I'm watching these things and it, there's, there's a little bit of pretentiousness but you know it's just the way they've written the dialogue and the way they've chosen to shoot it I'm more interested in that than look how explodey it all is 
and oh look that guy punched that guy he yeah. <laughs> that, it's not enough for me so when people say like oh um who won this fight between these two characters in this comic i don't that's not what i get from mainstream comics i like the character progression stuff that's yeah. always appealed to me more so i think when people do say to you what do you recommend i really liked iron man the film what um what do you recommend it may not be iron man comics it may be like okay, well, what was it about iron man what other films did you like um, what do you watch on tv yeah that's more defining it that's defines what their interest is more i think yeah yeah no you're right sorry i just want to make sure are you okay for time because we've been speaking for an hour and a half and i don't want to to, to keep you up later than you need to be or because i know the time difference is is significant <laughs> it's okay it's it's 20 to 12 to be honest i'm normally blogging still at this point um because once i put the kids to bed <laughs> that's when i start which is normally about eight and there's so little time in the evening but um it's absolutely fine i'll go for as long as you need to okay just as long as you're comfortable no problem um i i didn't let you finish before when you were talking about your uh, other favorite writers you had finished with uh tomasi so i'll continue with that i, I interrupted you brian k Bourne. yeah yeah boom yeah. Got to be after reading Paper Girls, I want to know how he put that together. His notes must have been insane. Yeah. It's one of the I, I love time travel stuff, but I also love Me picking too. holes in time travel stuff. Yeah. Um because I'm a bastard. So <laughs> if you have you seen the butterfly effect? I have not, but I and it's funny because I love my favorite movie is Back to the Future of all time. Is it? Yeah, I love Back to. I love time travel stories. Uh, I don't always understand them, but I, I just, they just tickle me. But yeah, Back to the Future is my absolute favorite. So Paper Girls was, it hit me in all the right places of uh, Stranger Things being on TV. Um, it had that sort of Goonies feel with a mix of, uh, you know, Back to the Future and all this, almost Matrix like in a way. It was. It just hit all the right notes. Yeah, and I can see what, sorry, bit of gas. <laughs> I can see what, how that appealed. Um, it's funny, you do like your 80s, don't you? I guess I do, yeah. I, I guess I do like my 80s. I just finished watching Cobra Kai too. <laughs> so there's another karate. That, yeah. Is, yeah. It, is, that, is, it, is it a comedy? I don't really know much about it. Did you, did you watch Karate Kid growing up? I'm sure you did. No. Okay. Um, watch watch Karate Kid. Watch Karate Kid because it's it's um, one of those I guess evergreen movies of the '80s that uh, you know everyone kind of holds close to their heart. See if you see how you feel about it, and then uh, if you liked it and you want to see what happens to those characters thirty years later, Cobra Kai is the one to go with. Okay. And and Cobra Kai is exceptionally cheesy and heartfelt in in a way that um it's like a mesh of oh man again i'm not sure if you had these television shows to to appreciate there we had a a television show in in north america saved by the bell i don't know if you guys ever got that there we didn't have it but i didn't tend to watch it okay aware of breach that was it that's all i knew yeah so there's a certain certain cheesiness to there was a time where we could watch TV. This is what I, how I shared it with somebody, where it was, you know, you recognize that this is TV world, and the ridiculousness of TV world we accepted, knowing that it's on TV. And Cobra yeah. Kai kind of has that sort of. It makes you feel like, ah, oh, I remember when we used to watch TV because it was 
television and the stories were fun. That's kind of what it does. But it's very it hits all the nostalgia points that you we, that people like us like if you grew up with Karate Kid. Weird tangent, but yeah, I do like my eighties. <laughs> On that similar tangent, though, one of the things that I really liked that was like that was Jew South. I don't care how cheesy it was. I really liked Jew South. Okay, you saw that, but um, I think it was Canadian. Yeah, I think it does sound Canadian, and I and I feel like I should have I should know that better, but uh, it's not. I, I don't have any connection to it, but this, the the name is completely familiar, and people are like, "How do you not know Jew South?" Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it was one of those, and that's the thing as well. Like I just like stuff that's just pure shameless fun. You're talking about right. that, Walter, again, going back to the writers, and also where you mentioned Walt Simonson. Well, I reread his Thor not that long ago, yeah. and I'm really surprised that they let him get away with that. It's kind of a comedy. It's it's amazing. I just and and I, I read it with this. I felt pain in my face from grinning. Yeah. at these these comics yeah. and like his confrontation with the Midgard Serpent it's genuinely funny it's it's fun and, and then you get these people going Thor Ragnarok was it was a kind of a comedy Thor's not a comedy character yeah I was I was one of those people who was pissing and moaning at how funny they tried to make it and I, I uh, we did a, a review on on the podcast I did a lot of movie reviews with my wife uh, when we'd watch a Marvel movie or DC movie and we'd, we'd podcast about it. And I didn't like Thor until I, I watched it later and I said, this movie's great. And now I am I get exactly what you mean with the Thor, Walt Simonson. I'm reading it. Sometimes I read the dialogue out loud trying to mimic Chris Hemsworth's voice. And I said, this is hilarious. This is so silly. I love it. That's the thing as well, isn't it? Like we're saying about, about the fun era, the fun eras of TV, the fun eras of comics. And I think like one, I try and stop myself now when I review a series, I try and stop myself saying fun because I'm saying it to death. But like that's the stuff that really resonates with me. I'm just, and it sometimes it's not even like fun, it's funny, but I'm just having such a great time. And it's, it's such a weird experience. That's the thing about comics, I think, is that like, for the most part, I don't watch TV. I don't really watch films unless my wife's going to watch whatever it is. Um, she wasn't interested in The Mandalorian. I'm not big on Star Wars anymore. So I just haven't watched it. Everyone's talking about it, and oh, I haven't watched great. it. And if she was, she likes the Marvel films, so I'll watch them with her, even though I don't always appreciate them. But with comics, like I really want to turn around to, and say, like, the bit when this happens. But no, it's it's such an interesting experience um i don't know if it is like if you tend to when you go into a shop and you've got all these other people that are reading it or the person who works there if you get to talk about it obviously we're doing a podcast probably does help that's 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 the the help yeah i've I've, we definitely have those conversations at the shop but i much prefer talking with people such as yourself and and some of the other guests i have where you know we could talk what's your top five favorite comic events or what's your you know favorite spider like i love getting into those geeky uh, areas of, of because you're right it's it's those things where it's very solitary and yeah. and much like reading a novel but there is this um, what's the word this universe that we're all tapping into this creative universe of comicdom where sometimes continuity matters sometimes there's just a finite series like paper girls but we're all reading it at our own pace experience the same artwork and then 
uh, we come together to talk about it. And it's a very interesting uh, hobby in that regard because it's lonely, but nothing is as good to talk about it with someone else who knows what that's like. Yeah. Strange thing is, I don't think there's really, yeah, even like you say with novels, I don't necessarily think it's, I don't really read books, but you get get book clubs, you don't tend to get, do you get comic clubs? I don't know. We don't here. It's really difficult to judge what it's like for everyone else on the planet. (laughs) Literally, no one here cares. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) It's weird. You do feel like a pusher and you go like, do you, so do you like looking at pictures? (laughs) Something to try. It's got words on them. Oh yeah, it's yeah. just so foreign to people, and and they're kind of going, I don't know if I know how to do this. Like I can guide you through. It's it's all going to be okay. Yeah, it's so true. It is quite a solitary experience, and then even trying to find someone else that's read. God, I don't know. Even trying to find people that have read Next Wave. It's a Marvel series, but it feels like no one's read that series. But I loved it. And um, again, it's just your fun. Yeah, no, I know. I I know another uh, podcaster who's actually from Alaska. Who Next Wave is, I think, one of his favorite books of all time. So it's funny you mentioned that. But yeah, it, it's that's the thing with the, with the with the podcasting and some of these Facebook groups and and Instagram pages like your own is that you you do end up finding like, oh, you you get it. Great, I'm not nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I normally get this at weddings like I was, this has always been picked up on that I will find the one other comic reader at a wedding that's I've awesome. never met him before it's like I can smell my own I, <laughs> I know I can find him somehow or you drop it into a conversation or it's like when you go somewhere other and you wear it, you wear something on the t-shirt and you yep. hope someone goes ah yeah 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 yeah. it's like a secret society whereas that, I mean, that's the thing now is like you see Deadpool on someone's t-shirt and you go oh are you, are you a comic fan no oh okay yeah so kind of society thing is kind of gone which in a way is good it's good if people are picking up the stuff picking up the, the comics or the books whatever format they're reading it doesn't matter but um but that's the thing is i did like i do part of me does like that whole i don't want to say fraternity it's not a male thing it's but it's it's nice it's like i know something you don't know as immature as that is no, it's it's hard to articulate, but I I get it because I I just recently it's funny you mentioned that I recently started working with um, uh, someone in my job site. We we jump job site to job site, so we meet different people. But this young kid, uh, he's an apprentice, and he said to me, uh, "What what do you do for fun?" And it's such an interesting question because a lot of people don't ask that. And I said, yeah. I, I love comic books. I said, I'm a big comic book collector. He goes, Oh, I love the MCU, and everybody says that. Right when you uh, tell them you like ah oh, MCU, but he starts talking to me about his knowledge of from the MCU and how he's kept up with what actually. So he's referring to Wandavision, and he starts talking about House of M and all of these things. And he comes to me the next day, so the rabbit, uh, that neighbor Agnes, and it's actually her son. And I'm like, wow, this guy, he's he's onto it in some ways more than me. And then he said, you know the guy who came. I don't know if you've seen Wanda Vision. I'm sorry if spoilers anybody who hasn't. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the the moment where someone comes out from the the manhole and and you don't know what it is and he's like who did you think that was and I said you know it kind of reminded me if my memory serves and he said it looked like an AIM agent right and I said are you sure you don't read comics because this stuff isn't in the MCU yet and you're 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 taking the words out of my mouth he's like I really want to I just don't know where to find them I'm like well, where do you live England. <laughs> 
right? So it, it's yeah, you're right. When when someone hits you with that little tidbit of information, my I was thinking about this before we started the podcast, and I said the one thing I love about uh, people who read in general, but especially understand uh, the language of comic book page, um, the imagination that you can there's a relatability of where our imaginations go and what we think are possible that other people that other people simply dismiss and i think there's something about our brains understanding comic books and being able to find truth in them in some strange way i don't know if that happens to you but it happens to me all the time but the thing i find kind of strange and i've only admitted this recently i don't know if this is along what you were what you're trying to say like um in terms of my outlook and my morality i was raised catholic and i i none of my morality comes from that and i i don't go to church or believe anything anymore um we don't do religion really in this country <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah my morality comes from spider-man yeah i i totally the get it of, I totally and, get and it. The, the stories they're telling have guided my life in a way that I can't explain to anybody and probably sounds really weird. No, I, I get it. I totally get it. And I, I understand how weird it feels to say that. I get it. Yeah. I can't think of any, any other thing where people would say, even if you kind of, because I guess in terms of films, which is probably the next closest thing as a visual medium, a lot of the time people aspire to be, what? I don't know, James Bond? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it's, it's, I can't explain, but it's just not the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. And, and when you find uh, brethren, I guess you could say, uh, that get that language, that there isn't really um, a way to, uh, I, uh, this is something that, that J.M. DeMatteo said to me, is like, there's a language that we understand, that our, our minds go back to, that it's just a... Uh, not everybody gets it, but when you when people do, it's very special. And the way you can tell a story so powerfully with with a picture, because pictures are worth a thousand words, but you add a few into a speech bubble, and magic happens. Time moves, especially when a person is a master of the craft. You yeah. you you. There's something to it. Like I I know I know other comic book. Um, readers real comic book readers i know that sounds pretentious but would would understand me saying i think jack kirby understood the universe better than anybody else (laughs) based on how he drew he knew the secrets of the universe and it's somewhere in his it's somewhere in his pages keeps trying to tell us and he's never been allowed to finish that story that's a really interesting idea. It's it's funny as well because like I'm only just starting to get Kirby now. Me too. Um, what what have you been picking up? Um, is there anything particular, or is it just I'm general? really really uh, curious about reading his Eternals, and I'm I'm so trepidatious about picking up Kirby in the '70s because he scripted it. And everyone talks about how horrible his scripting was. And I experienced something like that with Neil Adams uh, writing his own comic books. And I absolutely hated it. I thought it was nonsense. And he thought it was genius. But I said, if Kirby is anything 
of scripting like that, I don't want to try it. But the, uh, you know what it is, uh, Dave? I see Kirby yeah. now in everything. And it isn't because I'm a super Kirby fan. It isn't because I know his work well. It's not because of that. It's because I see, when I read Walt Simonson Thor, I see him riffing Kirby in a way. Yeah. And when I read uh, John Byrne Fantastic Four, he, I can see all of these artists who I love. I, I, like, you can't say you don't like Jack Kirby. Even if you don't, you do. Because the, the most recent Silver Surfer with uh, Allred and, and Dan Slott, I just ended up seeing Kirby. Even though it's clearly Allred. It's Allred is only Allred because of, of Kirby. And Eric Larson looks like Eric Larson. Like, it just goes down the yeah. line. Completely. Even when you just see the crackle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to have that crackle in there because you, you love Kirby. This, this is your little tribute even if it's minor it's not your style but you put the crackle in absolutely like I, I, I read Silver thing. Surfer from Stan Lee and John Buscema recently the whole run and uh, I loved it I love John Buscema's art in it I, I prefer I, I'm happy he drew it instead of Kirby in a way but I only like it because he did Kirby things like the crackle everywhere just loved it it's a, it's a very dangerous thing to I'm going to say it because, as, as we've established, I like flying in the face of popular opinion. <laughs> so, have you seen there was a panel that Alan Moore was on? So, we talk about Jack Kirby's writing, and I absolutely, I've, I've read more of his 70s stuff now than his 60s stuff because I, I like the weirdness of it. I like how he's written, and it is pure fun stuff. I like Machine Man. I've started reading Fourth World stuff. And it's weird, but I, I like it. And I can't even explain why. I get but, um, it. I get it. Alan Moore, he went to the Marvel offices at some stage. I, I don't know if he, I mean, presumably in, in, in America when he came over. Um, and he said he got the chance to look at those early Fantastic Four pages. And he said, in all the margins was the, the dialogue. It was all there. He'd written those comics. Um, he said what Stan Lee did was he added the these and nows and the odd little bit. He basically acted as an editor. Hmm. Um, and I just thought that's quite interesting, especially now you can't say anything derogatory about Stan Lee, but I, I find it interesting that you know, if that is down on paper, that is something he's seen. And when he saw it, I think it completely changed his mind about a lot of stuff. So whatever you want to believe about Stan Lee, is fine. Um, but the point is, like, if people think Jack Kirby's writing wasn't great in the 70s, it's probably they probably read his stuff in the 60s, whether they want to admit it or not, because that style, I think, was there because you know, the Marvel style existed because that was how Stanley preferred to work because other people were essentially writing those books. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's no way I could refute that. I have no proof to refute it. But I'm, I'm just like you. I'm very, uh, I, I'm pretty much certain that I'm going to pick up the uh, Captain America Jack Kirby omnibus when it, when it uh, goes on sale, because I liked what Rick Remender did with Dimension Z. I know not that's not everybody's favorite, but that only exists because Kirby did it first, and it inspired him. 
And I love that sort of dimension hopping, that very bombastic, ridiculous kind of story because I feel like there's under underneath that there's something else, but it's been, um, you know, kind of presented almost like WandaVision. You know there's more to it, but you're given this sort of thing to just make it palatable maybe because it looks good or, or whatnot. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, it's, it sounds like the kind of thing that um, Grant Morrison was trying to get across in The Invisibles, funny yes. enough. Yes. Um, there's a bit in, in The Invisibles where he says that message that, that films contain hidden messages to other invisibles. They're made by invisibles or other invisibles. They can tell them the truth about what's going on in the world. And I think, obviously, writing that in comic form, and that's exactly what he's trying to do in The Invisibles, because it's just so meta, it's ridiculous. Um yeah, it does feel, and that's the thing as well about the the. There are fewer people, in theory, on a lot of these things, especially the more independent work, or even Vertigo. I'm still count as kind of independent. Is that people can do that? People can kind of they've got more creative control over what that end message is. So in theory, yeah, they can just put all these great ideas in there, and it's you get something deeper from it on occasion. Um, whereas I think with film and tv there are so many people on it and there's so much control you just get comparatively watered down end products yeah no it's true yeah there, there's a lot of hands in the kitchen and you never what your original concept was i think that they they've uh, even alluded to that in in regards to why uh, certain superhero movies that were made pre mcu era were so like, how did that happen? It was because there was just too many investors or, or accountants who had given money to make the movie. Well, if you want this movie, you got to make sure that Superman gets stabbed with a kryptonite knife at some point. That's what I like. These were real stories that people were saying, I'll, I'll invest if you do this for me in the movie. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you end up seeing Batman with nipples or some stupid, you know, some stupid idea because there's a toy behind it. You know, so I get what you mean. Yeah, you're right. Have you seen the pitch meeting stuff on YouTube? No, no, I haven't. I can't remember the guy, but you've got to watch it. Honestly, you can put it in any. He's done all the MCU, but he's done. He tends to do more popular films, which covers all MCU. He's done Lord of the Rings. Um, it's and it parodies that whole initial part of the creative process. So it's it's a writer pitching the film to a producer, and it's so funny because as as ridiculous as some of it is, you think. That's probably kind of how it happens. Right. Yeah. We're going to do this. Why? Because money. <laughs> okay. I like money. Like, yeah. It's just, that's it. And it's funny because I had a whole conversation with someone I work with about Batman. And, and they said, like, what do you think about Christian Bale? And who's the best Batman? And to me, the best film Batman was Michael Keaton. I, yeah. I loved Michael Keaton as, as Batman. I don't know if he was really Bruce Wayne, but I felt. He worked. There was an edge to him, and I just liked it. But I said, like, no one's ever done the Batman film where they focused on him as a detective, because that's what I like most about Batman. That's yeah. what appeals to me about that character. Yeah. And you know, Batman's not a detective. No. <laughs> Don't make me cry. Right. Right. <laughs> that just hurts my soul. Right. Like, it's. The, the, you look back on that. That. It's amazing. Nineties cartoon the animated series and you you're not even sure at times how that was on kids channels yeah yeah it was 
dark as hell and some of the topics like like the treatment of harley quinn and the abuse and she still convinced herself that she she loves the joker and it's that stockholm syndrome thing it's like that's not a kid's cartoon um but again it was all the detective stuff and that was what really appealed to me about it and i think that's the first time i realized he was a detective despite detective comics and knowing that was the name of of one of the series he was in right i don't think he realized because you didn't really get that from the 60s show Oh, you kind of get it a little bit, but again, it was so it was so spoofy and and um, yeah. campy on purpose. But you get it somewhat a little bit. At least he had a magnifying glass at some point where he'd go back yeah, to the. He did. Oh, he would figure stuff out. Yeah, no, that is true. He would do okay. a little bit more of that. But you're right, though. It, it it the the animated series, and I will go out on a limb. I know a lot of people may agree, or some people would say, "Well, it doesn't really count." I think the best Batman movie was Mask of the Phantasm, personally. So I keep forgetting about that, and I, I don't necessarily think of it as a as a film. No, but uh, it was released in theaters. That's where it was released. Oh, see, we didn't get that here. Yeah, it was a Christmas it, movie one year. I don't even yeah. know how I did manage to find it. In the, I think it, I think they showed it on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Pro- yeah, that's how probably. I managed to see it, but it wasn't in the cinemas. Yeah, no, I, I saw that actually at a theater, and it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and going back to watch it, it holds up story-wise and and truer. It's not the you know it didn't actually happen in the comics origin, but uh, I feel it's the one that's truest to the essence of the character. That movie, Paul Dini's a great Batman writer, one of the, one of the best, but because of his of his animated series work. What well, is it at the comic Paul Dini comics good? Yeah, yeah, he's uh his Batman stuff is is quite good. Um, his Harley Quinn work uh, is quite good. He's a good writer. He he's he did a lot of cartoons even in the eighties. Um, Tiny, I don't know if you had Tiny Toons Adventures there or uh, He Man Masters of the Universe. He wrote a few of those episodes too in their heyday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, no, he's 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 a seasoned writer. Yeah, he's he, he especially Batman. He gets it and he and he writes with a lot of heart. Like if you hear him, I don't know if you've ever listened to him talk about uh, on on the Kevin Smith podcast. Both of them become blubbering babies talking about uh, just some episodes they wrote. The Mister Freeze episode, that first Mister Freeze, they won Emmys for that, and he cries just talking about that story. It's very very close to him. Very interesting. That's amazing. And that's the thing. Like that's that's kind of what I want them to do. Is that belief that these characters are real and. You know, the, again, it, it goes back to, to saying about how that you wonder what they're doing. You, they're a part of your life. Yeah, yeah. And so it seemed like that was the thing. I think with Batman and Damien that really got to me. It's just, it's really emotional. Again, one of the reasons why I recommend Transformers, the IDW Transformers, uh, especially Phase Two. It's one of the most emotional things I've ever read, and I'm reading about stuff that's based on plastic toy robots. So but interesting. I'm like welling up reading this stuff like and i can't believe that the range of emotion that you go through you're laughing one minute and then in tears in the next and i just don't get that in a lot of other stuff but it's, it's interesting I, I want to listen to that um kevin smith's podcast now i haven't actually tried it yet you i think you'd have to uh find it on youtube now because i don't know if it's on his feed i've tried to go into the archives of them but uh, they're out there but yeah he's he he gets he gets into some really cool territory with some of these some of these writers, and you get uh, 
you didn't like Jeff Loeb, for instance. I didn't know how many uh, Hollywood movies he was a part of. I wouldn't have never guessed it. So it's you, you get a good backstory and appreciate like, wow, that guy's a real comic book fan. I, I wouldn't have known that this guy from Hollywood had, you know, a thousand long boxes that he has a, a directory of how to find all his books in. Like, who would have thought? What have, um, what's your take on his comics like that? Jeff Lowe? Yeah. Um, it's funny because when I got back into comics, a lot of his stuff was the things that I was really enjoying because it was that perfect kind of entry-level writing. It wasn't super uh, complex but I loved Superman and Batman, uh, the stuff that he did there, Public Enemies and Supergirl and all that stuff. I, I enjoyed his uh, his collaborations with Tim Sale. I really like his stuff, actually. Uh, I, I, I don't like him as much now as I did because I've just read so many other writers. But I, I like Jeff Loeb. How about you? Um, it's a mix. It's, it's a real mix. I know a lot of people can just go, oh, Loeb, and then just, you know, brownie face or whatever but um i i I can remember last time i read long halloween i didn't really like it but i loved dark victory and i know most people are the other way around i loved dark victory i thought it was fantastic i really really got into it and um and that's it's not even like you're talking about the kind of entry level stuff i know it's unpopular but i i actually quite liked in a chewing gum for the eyes way his hulk stuff um, I've never been able to part with those books. When I had the big Marvel clear out, when I had a massive tantrum, and I was going, why the hell do I own this? Like, I, I had the clone saga. Why, why? I didn't like it, and I bought the books. It's time to have a clear out. And out of all the stuff that I did, and some of it I regret parting with, I kept those Hulk books. There's something about them that's just silly, and I liked it. It's nothing like the Peter David stuff. You get a completely different experience. I just thought it was just kind of silly fun, um, and he can do that quite well. And then he'll surprise you with the with the strong Batman stories. And then there's other stuff you read, and you're going, "Mate, you need to stop writing." Yeah, I never read Ultimatum. I didn't read any of oh, his that. his yeah. Marvel stuff. I can't think of other than his X Men Age of Apocalypse time where they were all bouncing back and forth. I can't think of uh, Mar- his Marvel stuff off the top of my head. But the DC stuff that he's worked on, I, I quite enjoy. Um, I don't know. I, I Similar to you, you've got those po- popular opinions of, you know, the best Batman is Frank Miller's Batman and the best uh, Superman is this Superman or whatever the case may be. But uh, Jeff Loeb, I, I've always had fun reading it. And, and, and some of the things, surprisingly, it, it has heart to as well. And the, the film adaptation, there's been a number of of adaptations of his work that translate well into uh, um, animated versions of it. So I, I I like him. I do. I like Jeff Loeb. They made Public Enemies into um, a film, yeah. didn't they? I think Public Enemies and Supergirl. Yeah. And Supergirl. So I haven't I haven't read that far yet. So I don't know. I've got the um, Superman Batman Omnibus with his run in it, but I've not read it yet. But I'm kind of I'm intrigued because it's got Ed McGuinness on it, and you can't really go wrong. Carlos uh, Pacheco is it Pacheco? You pronounce it as? I think I think Pacheco. 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 We are um, Portuguese. Yeah, it's just got these. He's got some great artists with him, and sometimes you can't go wrong with that. No. Sometimes. No. You can't. <laughs> and you gotta but, and you gotta accept it for what it is too. It's it's a blockbuster book. 
yeah. with two of the biggest character recognizable characters in the world. So it's going to be popcorny. It's going to be uh, meant, meant almost written in a way for it to be a movie. You you'd almost wish like why don't they just make this a movie? It's simple. Um, and and then they also he has a very very heartfelt issue in there uh, dedicated to his his son who passed away uh, tragically very young from cancer. So there's there's moments in that book where you do shed a tear as well. So there's. There's layers to it. It's not for everybody. For me, I personally love it, but that's also a nostalgia factor to it. I, I, that's yeah. a, a part of what I love about it. Um, what was your fourth writer? I, I You gave me three. I need your fourth. I want to forget that. <laughs> oh, that's so hard, though. I know. Um, that's the fun of it. It is the fun of it, isn't it? This is one of those areas where it's going to vary from one moment to another. At the moment... My favorite thing that I've read, and I've only read one thing that he's done, was uh, Xander Cannon. Um, oh. I'm not trying to pick something obscure just to pick something obscure. No, I, I've heard of this. Kaiju he wrote Max. Kaiju Max. Kaiju Max. No. Yeah. You're not the first person to, uh, again, the there's a, a, a. I shouldn't be promoting everybody else's podcast, but if anybody is listening, another great podcast is Off Panel. This is the David Harper from Alaska. And he, his favorite comic is Kaiju Max. He's mentioned it numerous times. And I only heard it from him until you posted about it and then sang its praises as well. So it piqued my interest to be like, okay, there's two voices that I, I respect the opinion and are both saying this book is incredible. It's, yeah. it's a shocker. It's it, one of those things that just catches you off guard. And again, it's the only thing I do... It's funny, I, I do kind of like stuff that I think you can only do in comics. I kind of felt that way about Saga. I can't imagine them adapting it, but it turns out they are now going to adapt it into a TV series or something, I think. Um, I can't imagine... They could maybe animate it, but then I don't know who the audience would be. You can't really convince an animation studio to do something that's purely aimed at adults very easily, um, I think. But, yeah, it's, it's so disarming it's so cutesy looking and then it just catches you completely off guard. And again, it's like an emotional roller coaster and you start to really care about these characters and, and you're sat there next to, like I'm sat next to my wife and she's playing Assassin's Creed or whatever she's playing. Hmm. And I'm going, no, <laughs> don't, you can't do that. Are you all right? It's like, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Just this book. That that that's kind of the experience I had. Uh, funny enough, reading Injustice was you had this book that exists in continuity until it doesn't, and they go its own way, and then anything can happen. Almost like uh, that feeling people get when they talk about you know uh, reading an indie comic. It suddenly becomes, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. Did that just really happen? No. And it's not because it's out of continuity and not affecting anybody else's title. When something happens, it happens, and that's it. And it's that's great. what appeals to me about about reading that. And I think that's the thing about veering away from the mainstream at the moment. It's feeling like you get something complete. Yeah, and feeling like anything can happen because I don't know. I, I tend to watch when I watch a film now. I'm more likely to, even if it's got a twist in the opening credits, I can tell you what the twist is. 
yeah. from the title the way that they shoot it and the intro sequence i can tell you what the twist is and it's really annoying um probably more for me than no no more for the other person i've just ruined it for um yeah I, whereas i like reading paper girls i'm turning the page and i don't know what's going to happen they've they've got me here i can't guess it it's creative freedom it's their characters they can do what they like i know spider-man's gonna make it because it's spider-man yeah he's got a movie coming out next year and he's they're good gotta bring him back so that yeah that does appeal to me and that's not to speak ill of of uh mainstream comics it's fine if people are loving hawks pox x-men whatever people are referring to it as that's brilliant good luck um, have fun with it, love it, tell everyone else to read it, and hopefully they'll love it too. It, it's just not working for me at the moment. And like, I'm, I'm just, even the stuff I'm eyeing up on the shelf, like talking about Kirby, I got the Commandy omnibus, and I don't think it necessarily ends there. I think it carried on, but I like the idea of starting that and ending it and going, that was fun. And I'm going to read something different now. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand completely Uh, the one thing that my favorite part of house of x going back to that is that it it um excuse me referenced a lot of things in x-men lore and mythology that i knew of but had never really read those storylines so i went back and read them all and i just loved revisiting all of those stories that made house of x mean a little bit more to me Uh uh-huh so that I appreciate House of X for that. It made me fall made the X-Men one of my favorite books now. And I'm not reading current X-Men. I, I I don't know, it just doesn't interest me yet. Maybe when it's complete, I'll I'll dive into it. House of uh, the X of Swords, that's uh, just too much. I don't feel like buying all of those books. I just don't. But I really am excited about uh the uncanny you know x-men volume three omnibus because those stories I, I haven't collected in a chunk like that to read it so uh organized i can't wait and funny so, enough that is the stuff from marvel that i'm most looking forward to is those that collection similar collections i just want to have that stuff on my shelf and that's the thing like it there's a certain amount of pride as well when, when you switch from single issues to books and you're looking at all these spines and going Ooh, and you know, someone comes in and goes wow yeah, that is, that is a really cool collection of, but and they don't read comics, so no. they come in and they're actually just in awe of this. A hundred percent. Yeah, I I sit in my room sometimes. Uh, thankfully, my wife is is really cool about uh, allowing me to collect as much as I do. Allowing me as uh, a funny way to describe it, but she's she'll help me go and pick out the next shelf, sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but I come in. She's like, "Are you sitting in your room again, looking at your books?" Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm just looking at the books and she she broke it down a couple of weeks ago where I had it. I was showing her some type of um, we were talking about the the science of story and how, you know, it, it's like a, a language that we all understand in a, in a certain way without having to really explain all the details. It was a very strange conversation. But anyways, uh, what she figured out was that, like you were saying before earlier in our conversation, we always have something more to look forward to. We get excited about our childhood being reprinted. We get excited about what our favorite creator is doing next. And we track 
ooh, that's when that's going to be released. I'm going to look forward to that. And we're looking for a sale on that book that we want because we know in a year's time we plan on reading it. It's a very strange uh, hobby to have because you collect. part of it is the hunt, like you said, and the collecting for later, not just to hoard or to, to resell or to ha- make a fortune. But we always have something to look forward to, which keeps us happy in a way, if that makes any sense. It completely makes sense. I, I think, and it, like again, part of the reason why I, I stopped with Marvel is because I was looking forward to stuff that then wasn't fulfilling me. Now, having reinvigorated that by just digging into what else is out there, it's exciting. It's really yeah. exciting to see what someone's doing and to kind of have that hopping from one foot to another feeling of going, oh, I don't know what this thing's going to be like, but I'm really looking forward to it. And it's it's that is kind of recapturing that feeling of childhood and as much as as i think over the years i've been made to feel like i have to justify being into comics especially you know you think more so now at 40 something but i find a lot of i don't see it's any difference being in a sport you're into sport as a kid you can be in a sport as an adult is why would that be more grown up yeah, um yeah, it's yeah. a weird weird way of looking at things but um it's just so cool i and i i i love it it's that excitement, that anticipation, and it's not going away because it is so vast and because you don't know what you're going to get next. Yeah. And and you know that something good's going to come. That that story you always wanted to read that you couldn't collect, they're going to put it together. You're going to find a way to read it, and there's just more to come. Uh, it's, it's a constant travel through time. You can go to different decades. You can go to the future. You can revisit old friends or meet new ones. It's it's this endless world that somehow connects. And uh, when you get it, you get it. Uh, and and uh, it's cool to find other people who get it. That's a really nice way of looking at it. Yeah. Well, we've been chatting for two hours and ten minutes on record. <laughs> So let's let's put a pin in this episode, but I would really, really uh, hope that you come back sooner than later, and we can just continue talking. Thank you so much. For that. I mean, it was such a surprise to be asked. I'm genuinely honoured. Um, I hope it's been as much fun for you as it has been for me. This oh, is—it's just feel so like nice two to hours. just talk stuff to someone who gets it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, is this the first time you've been on a podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm making one for work and I've done like Q and a stuff for work, but I've never been on a podcast. I've certainly never been interviewed for a podcast. Well, they're like, I'm happy to say I popped the cherry. You certainly <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> funny now for a while. Well, that's good. Well, I hope, I, honestly, I, I really do hope you come back again. It was a pleasure to talk to you super easy. And, uh, I want to get into, uh, some of your stories about being in a band and all of the, uh, alter egos that you've had speaking of being a, a hero or a superhero with an alter ego well i'm more than happy to come back and talk about any of it if you if it's of interest absolutely I, the one question that i didn't ask you and i and i maybe will save it for later but you had um messaged me about why you started your website initially and I don't know yeah. if that's a story we should save for later or if you wanted to tell now. I, I don't know if you're up for it. I think I'd be happy to talk about it. I think we could probably, it's quite lengthy thinking about it. It depends how much, how in-depth you want to be. But I think I'd be, I feel quite comfortable talking about it. But it's, it's probably, it could be probably a good half hour out of that. So Okay, let's, could, let, let's save yeah. that for next time because I want to I do it justice. Okay. 
Okay. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dave. This has been uh, a real pleasure, and it was happy. I'm happy to make the uh, Cave of Solitude extend uh, intercontinentally, if that's the right term. You're gonna be opening franchises before you know it. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Be sure to rate and review us and follow Dave on, on Instagram and the different platforms he's on. The one that I follow on Instagram that I like and it's helpful for me and my uh, spending money on comics is uh, Winchester Meat Cleaver Reviews on Instagram. Do you have any other places that, that people should follow you on? Um, no, they're probably the best ones. I have a Facebook group, but it just doesn't really work. <laughs> That's it's all good. Tough. So stick with Instagram. I think that's fine. And the blog. And the blog. Want to say the blog one more time for everybody? Uh, yep. It's a Marvel Comics Guide. I can't, th- I, I never bought the address. I think it's blogspot.com at Marvel Comics Guide. So that's always really unpopular. But all the links are in the Instagram account. You can go on through. It covers um, story, major stories, obscure stories, um, major characters' histories, obscure characters' histories. All sorts. Um, I've got the next one I've got coming up is is very much aimed at fans of the films. Um, so I'll be covering the influences from the comics on each of the phases of the films. Um, and again, it's it's the, the the bits of interest, you know, first appearances and the like. But it's the key stories that you, if you want to try those uh, earlier stories, that's the stuff to go and have a look at. So that's coming out this week. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope you stay safe. Uh, this is the first time that I never talked about COVID in the in the last year, and that was that's very refreshing. Comics are a great escape, and I think we've managed to escape from reality nicely tonight. Absolutely. Well, I hope you and your family continue to stay safe, and uh, we will book a a podcast sooner than later. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.